in five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute! I know you! Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce... myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down! You're excited! <laughs> Feel these nipples! That boy's good! Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, July 12th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from, once again, the remote University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny and hot Jeffersonville, Indiana. Visit business.louisville.edu. See what the UofL College of Business can do for you, including getting you your MBA in just 12 months. Business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3 until 6 on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know what's better as the big X. It's Mike Rutherford. We got Scoots uh, back in the house, Justin Kalen, Scooter Dingus. Uh, we also have Keith Wynn today. We're going to say hi to Keith in just a second. But Scoots is Scoots is basically not even here. We got the Kentucky game going on. I say Kentucky. It's the Team USA game. Yeah, please don't. I, I can't hear Team Kentucky anymore. <laughs> They're taking on Germany in what I believe is a something of a nail-biter. But Scoots, uh, Not so much anymore. Uh, Kentucky's pulled away? It's 60-47 to 47 now, about two minutes left in the third quarter. Now they've got it. So They're yeah, no, it was it was an awkward day for me, especially co- driving in here. I was like, you know, it's going to be really weird. I'm going to have to try to pay attention to Mike, but also I produce for KRC in the mornings, so I felt an obligation to watch the game as well and kind of do my homework, if you will. So it was going to be a weird thing to try to figure it out. So I, I pulled up, I see Keith sitting there in his car, and I'm like, heck yeah, yeah, this is awesome. I get to sit here and just pay attention to this game, really soak it in for the first uh, probably 30, 40 minutes of your show realistically and then i'll just be all ears and all ready to talk and it's going to be great it's the best of both worlds can't if wait. you will you, yeah. you've been you've been pulling double duty this week we, i have we didn't have you on yesterday we had patrick ryan how'd that go i think he yawned in the mic 17 times during he the show. yawned into yeah, the mic he, he was yeah he young patrick just also he uh <laughs> i love patrick but i did see that the first text on the text line is already talking about how the the podcast from yesterday's show just starts an hour in the the, the first, and I, I knew this happened. He realized very quickly that he recorded the second hour over the first hour. Oh, so that so so it just starts with us talking about Taylor Swift, and he was like, the texture's like. Trevor taught Patrick very well because Trevor went on a Taylor Swift rant last week and somebody tuned in right at the 4 o'clock hour and we were like discussing that. I think that's exactly what happened on yesterday's show. I was wondering because I got a text from my brother who's a big, huge Mike Rutherford chill fan, listens almost every day. Shout out. And uh, shout out Zach. There we go. Give him, a, give him a nice little shout out. But no, he texted me and he was like, the, the new kid's fired. <laughs> he was like, can't even record the whole podcast. And I was like, wait, what? What happened? He, I think it was, it was during the show. Actually. And I told him, I was like, he's eighteen. Give him a break. Yeah, I mean, just 
He's in high school. Exactly. He's, he's reclassified. Yeah. He basically you know, he's, he should be a high school senior. He, um, I think it was during the third hour, the break at like 5.30, he was like, so, um, he's like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just recorded over the entire first hour uh, of the show today. So that Somewhat easy to do if you're not being careful. And then I wake up this morning and we had, you know, we were giving away, we had to record some spots for Lucidity and Racing Little, which has become very tough if you hear the spots where... You know, typically, we've done it's me talking about the upcoming game, you know, racing Louisville or Lucidity's taking on so and so, come out to Lynn Family Stadium. And we've had a hard time doing that because we used to always do them at the other studio. Now, when we do them here, we can't do them during the actual show. I don't know why. It's a technological thing that, that is above my That's head. That's too inside baseball. Exactly. And it, Trevor's just like, we, we, we can't do it. Yeah. And so when we have to do it here, there's some funky thing. So Patrick had to do it after yesterday's show because Trevor, of course, is not here this week. And then I wake up this morning, uh, Susan, who does our, our sales, and she's like, where are the recordings? And I'm like, I, Pat, they're somewhere. I sent them this morning. Okay, Just good. so you so know, give you a little peace of mind. Yeah. Uh, against Atlante FC, which, of course, like I look up, <laughs> I'm ready to record. I'm like, show's over. I'm supposed to be picking up food. I'm trying to get home as quick as I can to the kids. And I've got to look up how to pronounce because they're playing a, a team from Mexico in a friendly this weekend. The, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's At- Atlante, but I, if it's something else different, I don't want to like be – Saying it wrong, so I have to go to YouTube, find somewhere where they actually say the name of the soccer team <laughs> before I can start recording. It was a it, it was a good time. Uh, we've got Keith Wynn in studio. As I said, we have not done this in a while. Is Keith, first of all, does Keith's mic work? Are we? Yeah, it does. Should be good. We yeah. good? Okay, just making sure because we you, you never <laughs> you never know for sure here. I, I test these things. Okay. I, I test. I saw your all's audio lighting up when you were talking pre-show. <laughs> okay, good. At least you don't do that. So before every speaking of inside baseball, before every episode like, like 30 seconds before trevor's like tap that mic and i tap it and he makes a sexual joke every single time he's like that's the spot i'm like every every, every single time like it, he could do it every every ever show we've ever done in jeffersonville will he ever grow up he's made the exact same joke and like i at this point i don't even it's not like I, i'm like oh i don't even groan or anything i just pay it no attention whatsoever he's like oh yeah that's the spot and i'm like nothing let's, let's do radio stop doing that uh, we do have keith win here which means it will be a football-heavy show, which I'm excited about because uh, we've had some big football occurrences going on recently. Uh, Keith, how are you? It's been a while. I'm fantastic, man. Happy to be back in the studio with you. He's excited. Uh, we've got uh, you, you, the Thornton sex line is open, as always. If you've got questions for Keith or you have questions about whatever, it, it's still Wacky Wednesday. We'll get into Weird Wednesday, Wacky Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. Weird Wednesday is what we've typically done in the past. Hit us up on the Thornton sex line, 502-414-1450. Uh, while you're at it, download the Refreshing Rewards app, giving you the best deals all summer long at any one of the 71,252 area Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. They're going to save you money at the pump, save you money inside. If you want a Thornton's Tasty Treat, you want a like, fountain drink, 32 ounces, just 89 cents, less than a buck for a big old drink. You're not going to find a better deal than that. Get all that good stuff, fill up your car, and then text us at 502-414-1450. Keith, what's new? You, uh, you still, I mean, kids? Work? Yeah, I've, I've lost Football? kids. That's lost it. kids. That's that's pretty much my entire life now. But uh no, just working and you know, uh you know, trying to keep up with the kids and then trying to uh keep up with Louisville football and everything, which is uh pretty rough these days because they're they're kinda it's just news every other day, it seems like. So uh but no, things are good, man. I can't complain. I was thinking about you earlier today because I had a dream, like one of those like vivid where you're in the REM sleep right before you wake up, so you kind of remember the dream immediately. And it was that we had a third kid. <laughs> I haven't even told Mary this because I haven't really talked to her today. But it was one of those where, like, I didn't, I'd like forgotten. We're, we're sitting with my at my parents' house. I'm playing with Virginia and I'm playing with John. And then I look over at the chair that's in the in kind of the corner of my parents' family room, 
And Mary's like holding this baby. And I was like, oh my God, we've got another kid. I just realized this. And she was she was like, I was like, three under the age of four is gonna be tough. I'm like, how are we gonna do this? Uh we thankfully it was just a dream. But you do have the three kids. Thankfully, like Olivia's is is older. Yeah. So she can help out a little bit. Well, yeah, it's a huge plus, but at the same time, now she's doing stuff that like is more active and like outside the house, like, hey, you know, there's a school dance. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting home from work. And I'm like, so I got to like go back out. Like, I just want to sit on the couch, you know? So it's just different. It's not all the time, but it's just like, I remember the first one, I was like, you know, Kelsey's like, hey, can you go pick her up? And I'm like, like from school? Like, I, was <laughs> like, I was like, no, I was like, I just, I, I'm home. I don't want to go. And it just, it's like, all right. So I'll go and sit in the line and wait for my kid. It's just, it's just different, you know? So, but it's cool, man. I, I you know, it's good that, you know, Collins is starting to like, personality starting to come out mm. starting to do new things and all that stuff but uh you know i'm sure you know getting past diapers and all that stuff will be a definitely fun thing to be just done like know that you're just done with certain things it's kind of exciting uh so yeah we'll see and then school next year for patrick so well not this year but the year after so did you say collins this is yeah, yeah that's, that's a my, sweet name well, yeah. thank you thank you that's my youngest daughter so yeah i like that name a lot yeah. they, they there are certain things that i'm yeah, I look forward to when they get older and we're not doing the the toddler slash baby stuff. And mm-hmm. but at the same time, then I hear my friends now. So many of them had kids before we did. So they're at the age where they're doing a lot of sports, and yeah. they're and it's the swim meets sound terrible. If you've got like, I will do everything I can to keep my kids from doing swim meets yeah. because it's like it's like four thousand kids and like seventy five races in one night. I don't want any part of that. And then you've got so my. My brother has three boys who now are all in high school. Well, Jack just graduated from manual, so he's getting ready to go to college. But the youngest one, he's like a big-time hockey player, was was All-State at San yeah. X as a freshman. And so now I guess – I don't understand how hockey works, but he has to he, – he want he's playing in this AAA league, which mm-hmm. is like a big deal, and he's going to kind of – he'll play San X when he can, but AAA takes priority now. It's in Indianapolis, and they have practices twice a week in Indianapolis after school. Absolutely not. So, like, my, my brother is like, yeah, they, they have, there's another kid that's from St. X that he's friends with that's on this, that made this team as well. So, like, the families are going to split off. Like, one day Oliver's going to drive. But it's, it's like a, it's a two hour drive yeah. for a, like, one and a half hour practice yeah. on a weeknight. I was just like, my God, if my kid gets good at hockey, I'm just going to be like, we're, we're, we're not doing it. You're yeah. playing. Club or whatever the, the the version of that is. Well, it's kind of like you know club soccer. You know, uh, you know, growing up, I have good friends, and and some of them, it's like, yeah, this guy goes to Lex. You know, he's from Lexington, and I'm like, yeah. he just comes to practice. Yeah, like in Louisville, and right, I was like, no, man, I can't do it. My brother has does travel baseball with his his sons. Yeah, and it's just nightmare stories all the time, and expensive. And I'm like, no, I'll just stick to maybe, you know, St. Matthews or something like that. Like, like that's what I did. You know, <laughs> like it's it's fine. I don't need to go any further than that. You know, so. we were at the forefront of the, the travel baseball thing. I mean, we left St. Matthews when we were 13, me and my buddy, when we were 13. It was like a huge scandal. Like, they're leaving St. Matthews <laughs> to play travel. Because AAU baseball was a new thing. And now yeah. it's almost like you have to. And we yeah. played tournaments that were mostly close. We went to like Knoxville and Cincinnati and um, like G- Columbus, like generally this sort of in the area. The, the one big trip we took to, and I'll never forget this, was Atlanta. And they don't mess around with, with travel. They were on, like, a different level down there. We, we played this team from East Cobb, the East Cobb, that had won, like, the AU National Championship the year before. And I knew we were in trouble when we got down there and we went to our hotel, and the local news was covering the tournament. I was oh, like, Jesus. This, and sure enough, the, the very first game, it was like, they had all these kids that were, like, already being recruited by D1 colleges and stuff, and we, just, you know, we had our, like, makeshift uniform. It, was, it, went, it went poorly. I don't, we, we were in the A division, and we did not win a game. It yeah. was, that, that was bad. But it's, it's a different world out there. Yeah, definitely. 
Anyways, uh, speaking of baseball, real quick before we get into football discussion, did anybody watch the All-Star game last night or even parts of the All-Star game last night? Scoots? I watched almost the whole thing. You did? I did, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, I, I think I made it to, I want to say the eighth inning. Keith? Didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> 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 saw some saw like a, a couple things this morning when I woke up on Twitter and I was like, oh, that was All-Star game last night. Cool. What I said at the end of the show was going to happen was exactly what happened. And I said... I'll watch in the period of time between I was like I'll get Virgi- I'll get John down before Mary gets Virginia down. I'll come out, we'll get ready for dinner. I'll watch the All-Star game for like the 20 minutes or so that it takes for Mary to get Virginia down and come out <laughs> and then she's going to be like, "Do you want to watch Ted Lasso?" and I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and then if if we finish Ted Lasso and the end of the All-Star game is still on, I'll catch the And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I watched 20 minutes of like the it was like the third and the fourth innings. I missed uh, Alexis Diaz from the Reds coming in and giving up a, a run in the sixth, I think. But then I turned it on for the bottom of the ninth, which we, we actually got kind of exciting. National League wins for the first time in, in uh, since 2012, yeah, which is yeah, kind that. of insane. That, like You think there's not that much disparity between the two yeah. all-star teams, but uh, they win with a kind of a wild home run from a wild um, Diaz – is a 32-year-old first-time All-Star hits a home run off one of the hardest throwers in the league. Like, it was fun. Cool. The the game overall was pretty boring, but it started out with a bang. We had two catches to the wall. Yeah, I two wall catches was awesome. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was kind of thinking, like, uh, it's all going to be downhill from here because I knew it was going to be low scoring. It pretty much panned out exactly like I thought it would. It was funny yesterday on Spears. I said that I was going to bet National League and under because a National League hadn't won in forever. I just felt like they were due. What did I do? I went home and I bet American League and over. <laughs> so, egg on my face. I did. I think Patrick and I both picked the American League to win at the end of yesterday's show, which uh, did, did not happen. But I, the start of the game, it did remind me a little bit of the the Barry Bonds All Star game where he got robbed by Tory Hunter when he, you know he was Bonds was the biggest deal in the world. Everyone was mm-hmm. doing, and I think that was the first inning too. And it started off with a bang. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, he did it!" And Tory Hunter. Robs him, and that was a cool All-Star game. See, it did start off on a a high note, but as All-Star games typically do, the the pitching takes over because these dudes are throwing one inning. As a Reds fan, I was selfishly like, just don't don't play Diaz. Just just, (laughs) just don't. I don't don't want him out there. I know we've got three more days until we play again, which is driving me crazy, but uh, I would have preferred him not to be out there. But he did give up a run, but that was fine. It was okay. Didn't get the loss. Didn't mean anything. National League wins it. That was was nice. I, I was like, I went home last night, and like Rook, like like Mary had a little bit of extra work to do, so I was like, I'll take care of it. Walk the dog and water some of the plants outside. And water, and like our next door neighbor Pam, who I love, she is. She was like, Are you a baseball fan? Like she knows I do the U of L stuff. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Who do you cheer for? And I was like, I'm a big Reds fan. And she was like, Thank God, me too. Like we've been watching all the games. Like my mom doesn't. She can't really move that much, and so she just is obsessed with the Reds. And we watch it every night. And she's like, I feel like a junkie. Like, like looking forward to Friday, not having a game. I was like, me too. Let's, I was like, yes. I was like, let's talk about the Reds for 25 minutes out here. It was, it was wonderful. I was like, I was like, come over and watch the games. We're gonna have a great time. She's like, sometimes India picks it up, and sometimes I'm like, I know, get him out of the three hole. Like, let's just talk about the Reds all night. It was great. It's, it's, it's exciting times to be a Reds fan. It I is. imagine. I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining even as a fan. I'm a very, you know, I don't watch baseball very often, but I grew up playing, and I, you know, I'm, I enjoy the sport. I could watch the Reds. Like, I have a hard time watching MLB games. Even, I know it's better now with the shortened games on that, but that was always an issue for me because I'm, I just I, I don't have the attention span to watch a game. But they're exciting, man. They're fun. The fans are into it, too. And I, I think just, like, the culture of the team, like, they, they're excitable players to root for, yeah. which is cool. So 
Uh, I'm kind of upset for myself with not, you know, going to see some of these guys while they're down here in Louisville before they get called up and whatnot. So, but, you know, it's really, it's cool to keep, you know, keep up with. I said it like a month and a half ago because I think it was Nick Roush who does the the, the morning show on, on KRC with, with TJ who left me a very nice have a good show today Mikey note uh, from Little Howard on the on my little show sheet over here but uh, that's Little Howard <laughs> I think over that there. was TJ Keith, the horse that's wearing the Kentucky <laughs> blue ribbon Apparently, the winner of the Governor's Cup gets to keep him if we ever can win the football game again we get to bring Little Howard back to our old studio if we ever go back there and put <laughs> Louisville stuff on him but he is. I have to stare at him every day here, and it, it breaks my heart a little bit. But Roush had tweeted out like something along the lines of, you know, I, I don't have a baseball team, but I kind of feel like I want to become a a Reds guy. And this was before we called a Belly De La Cruz, and I was like, if anybody out there is on the fence, like, yeah. this is the, the time. Because not only should they be fun, like the, I still, and this is, we have time. We'll see what happens when they get Lodolo and Green, their pitchers back in August, and we'll see if they trade for a starting pitcher. As of right now, like I don't, they're fun. They, I think they've got a good shot at making the playoffs. I don't see them as a realistic like World Series contender this year because they're starting pitching. Oh no! For lack of a better term, sucks. <laughs> uh, and you you need starting pitching to win in the playoffs for sure. Right. But like the next two to three years, because they've got. I mean, their three best offensive players so far this year are all rookies, and they've got them on, on their rookie yeah. contracts for a couple of years. They're not going anywhere. And people always make the jokes like, well, when they trade Ellie in August, like they're not trading Ellie for at least a couple of years. Like he will be here for a while. So you're going to have Ellie De La Cruz. You're going to have Matt McClain. You're going to have Spencer Steer. Votto will retire. You, you'll bring up hopefully Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's hitting a billion home runs for the bat still right now and is a big time prospect. The the starting pitching that they do have is very young and I think still promising. Graham Ashcraft is coming around a little bit. Like they, if you wanted to ever jump on the Reds bandwagon, I said it a month and a half ago. You should have done it then because then yeah. they go on a, a probably go on a huge winning streak. And like he said, they're just so fun. Like, yeah, they're yeah. young. I love Votto's description of them where he's like, you know, they're like, they're like you know, they should be intimidated by these situations. And he's like, they really just don't care because they don't know any better. Like, yeah. They're just out there. They're like, yeah, we expect to win. We're, yeah, we're going we're gonna to steal home. Yeah, we're going to take uh, an extra base on what should be a routine single. Like, like we're going to you know, swing at a 3-0 pitch like when we maybe yeah. shouldn't. Like, that's just the way that they play. And it's, it's funny it's, you talk about being on the fence because I was on the fence the other way. Like, as far as if, jumping if, off? if it didn't turn around, yeah, I was, I was going to the Braves. <laughs> there was, I mean, that's, it's something I've contemplated for a few years now. Well, why? Just beca- because I'm so tired of misery, Mike. I mean, I've, I'm an the Indiana. F- is such a bandwagon. I'm an right Indiana now. football fan. I've, I'm an Indiana basketball fan. I'm a Reds fan. Like the the only good thing I've going Scoot, for you're me. Halfway through your life, you can't jump <laughs> yeah, off I, the bandwagon. Yeah, I know, now. but I'm I'm still young enough where it wouldn't be too late. You know? Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm no. not offended you are over there. But, <laughs> but, but do it. You got to suffer through. But I did. I, I stuck through, and I'm glad I did. And I'm I'm, I'm going to give the credit to Louisville Bats because I was producing their games and they, they were really entertaining and I was learning all these names and then those those guys get all called up and the Reds have just been doing nothing but win so I'm gl- I'm glad I stuck through but I was on the I'm mad at you for contemplating way. to be, to be I, quite I frank that I mean this has been a 5 or 6 year contemplation for as me. a Reds and Lions fan oh god not being able like like lack of loyalty just like I, it doesn't resonate with me I can't, I can't handle that. <laughs> I don't, I'll never forget when we were watching – we before the draft, we were having drinks, me, you, and uh, Jeff Greer. And you are like, I bet the Lions are just going to draft a tight end. And then, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I told like you. number five in the draft. <laughs> they took another one like two rounds later. <laughs> it was great, man. It's who we are. That. It's what we do. Yeah. It's uh, – that, that's – But at some point, you you shouldn't have to deal with it anymore if you don't want. Well, you know? Scoots, I mean – 
I call me a coward if you want, but like, kind of, it's a cowardly way, especially right now jumping. But to the I Braves. didn't. But I didn't jump off. I didn't. You, didn't, you just thought about it. I just thought about it. You're kind of like. Um, who, I'm trying to think. Of, you're sort of like Reek from Game of Thrones. Like you're just, you're just like you're not, you're not going full on terrible Reek, but like you're you're <laughs> contemplating doing a lot of bad stuff. You chose you chose right at least this yeah. time. I'm excited. Uh, that is the first pop culture reference I've got for you forever. <laughs> right. I just, you just watched, watched the show. <laughs> like, I, uh, got it. I get I, that. I don't get it. So <laughs> that's okay. I'm glad you do, Keith. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, I want to get Keith's thoughts on the big news that I think is still the big news in the world of Cardinal Athletics. And this is, I mean, this we're using big news. It, 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 it's, it's nice news. This is commonly referred to as the quietest day on the sports calendar because you've got nothing going on at least the monday before the all-star game you've got the home run derby but there are no games happening this is just you know you're searching you don't want to be in the news right now typically especially if you're a college sports fan that's getting ready for the upcoming season things will kick into high gear coming up in in a few weeks Uh, and we will actually we'll have it would have been nice to have you if if this had happened this morning but jeff brown's going to talk to the media tomorrow which will be nice give a update to, to get ready for fall camp i think that's going to happen at uh, 9.30 a.m. He's going he's gonna to brief the media and get ready for things. So we'll have some sound bites tomorrow to talk about. But the big news that people is, are still discussing is T.J. Capers reclassifying, joining the team for next season. This is a player that I know you have, you've obviously you've written about on the site, a guy that we've been excited about for a long time since he committed back in January. And we, you know, we talked yesterday. There was so much discussion, understandably so, when he commits – Talk to me when he signs. Talk to me when he signs. Talk to me when he's... We had, you know, Ruben Owens backlash, just the, the, the memory of some of the guys from last year's class and, and years prior who committed and then just wound up going to seemingly greener pastures. So when you get the number five overall player in a class, it's it's understandable to be like, we got a long way to go until December to right. sign this kid. Well, we can talk to you now. Yeah. He, he signed. He's a member of the team. I did not know this was going to come. Of course, Patrick Ryan yesterday was like, I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, I <laughs> <laughs> he knows everything before I do, which is great. It's always nice. But uh, your thoughts on TJ Capers reclassifying, joining the team for next season? How big of a deal is this? Is this a guy who can make an immediate impact as an 18-year-old true freshman? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think it's a massive, you know, uh, story. It's a massive, you know, deal. Um, you know, I think there's still, still, we still have to know what position he's actually going to play. That's why you kind of see him just. You know, people label him as just like a defender, you know, right. because he can play either at, you know as a stand-up defensive end and kind of that your Sir Abdullah role, which which the new defensive scheme still has, where Stephen Heron is probably going to be your your number one guy there. But um, you know, I think he might end up at inside linebacker. Uh, that's kind of the build he has, and he has the speed and the athleticism. But he's the type of guy, um, the talent that he has allows the coaches to do a little more things. I mean, it's it's that's that's one thing I, I kind of tweeted about this the other day about how we saw Louisville's defense just kind of step up in a whole different way last year. We've got three NFL guys, probably another two to three guys that I think are probably going to be NFL guys. Um, and, and when you have that kind of talent and you can do different things, and I think that's what the most exciting thing, it's almost like, you know, you get young guys in the office of the ball, like, you know, speedy small receiver, and you just kind of do trick plays with them, right? Mm-hmm. You at least he has a type of talent from a defender standpoint that you can put him out there and do things maybe you can't do with other guys just because of his talent level, uh, and I think that'll grow. But he's a, even as a freshman, I think he's a guy that can give you at least 20, 30 snaps a game, uh, and he's probably going to make some plays. Uh, and I think you know teaming him up with a guy like Stanquan Clark, who looked great in the spring game, is something that even not for just this year, um, the future's pretty you know pretty set 
at the linebacker spot uh, with these two young guys that are going to come in and be a, be impact guys as freshmen. I think it's huge for them. And even I think talking about this from just not just a on immediate on field production perspective, the fact that you're able to ink a kid officially land a kid that had. Alabama, Georgia, everybody clamoring for him. There's all sorts of talk, and I think it's probably legitimate that, you know, when when the word had gotten out that he wanted to reclassify and he and his family had made the decision that, hey, I'd, I'd like to play football this fall, Miami made a very strong push, apparently, being like, here's how you fit in, here's what we can do for you, here's what, like, and to, to keep them at bay is a, a big deal. I mean, even if the kid... It takes a couple of years for him to become a big time player, or even if he just is, winds up being a good, not great player. Getting a kid who's a top fifty prospect, the third highest ranked signee in the history of Yuva football, away from the biggest names in the sport is no small deal for your procession on the recruiting trail. I and mean, you and I have talked about it when the transition was being made from Satterfield to, to Brom, and we talked about, you know, you want to see more inroads being laid. In your home state, you want you want to see getting back to getting the best players from the Louisville area, and then grabbing some of the best players from out the state and the regional players that Kentucky had really kind of monopolized in, mm-hmm. in recent years. But we also wanted to maintain a, a national profile. Satterfield had also, we're getting kids from California, we're yeah. getting kids from Texas, we're doing things that we'd never done before on the recruiting trail. This goes a long way towards accomplishing that and, and maintaining, being like, we will get some of the best players in the region. We will keep the best players home. But every now and then, if there's a big-time five-star, four-star kid in, in Florida, Georgia, wherever, like we can land that kid too. I think it's a, it's a, it's a nice little symbolic signing. Yeah, definitely. It makes you feel good about the future of recruiting for Louisville, which, you know, uh, in all honesty, you know, obviously last year's recruiting class, which, you know, now Capers is in, uh, was the best in the history of the program, you know. So coming back, no matter what Jeff Brown did, you know that's not the expectation you said. Um, but you want to see that there's still that that path to getting close to that, right? Or or getting guys that maybe we we didn't normally see, like a Capers, uh, even you know Isaac Brown is a really talented kid out of Florida too. Um, and and being able to get guys on campus too that. You know, you sit back and say, "Well, that's, this guy's a top five player at his position, or whatever it may be," and and they've been able to do that. And they have the the five hundred two barbecue coming up, where you know, my understanding is they have some more high level four star guys coming in. Being able to keep that momentum uh, was key, uh, and I think TJ Capers is a is a is the type of talent, especially in Miami, where they're trying to really get back to where they were in the Charlie Strong days. Um, I mean, that just sends a message around the city that. You know, Louisville's legit, and guys that are going up there are not just going to visit. They're not drawn by just NIL or any of that stuff. It's it's not the the planes and the cars on the visits and stuff like that, you know, where you just want to have a good time. Guys are willing to come here and actually, you know, become big-time players. And, you know, I think it also helps that in the last few years we've seen some talented players come from Louisville. You know, last year, this past, this past spring, you know, you have a couple draft picks on the deep side of the ball. That stuff matters. I think they just have a lot of momentum that they need to just kind of continue with. And I think being able to get a guy who, to your point, could have gone almost anywhere uh, and actually sign him is is a huge deal. I think we all – I mean, we had conversations when Ruben Owens was in the class. It's like, man, I just don't know this can actually happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just waiting for it to just – you know, he's not taking other visits. It's like, God, he seems almost too locked into Louisville. He got tattooed. You know what I mean? Like, it's like this doesn't really add up. Something's not right. And then eventually, obviously, you know, once the coaching transition happens, he hops off board immediately, you know. So, you know, being able to really get the guy and land him and sign him is something that, you know, you know this. You, you get the comments all the time. We write, write about recruiting, talk about it. 
like you said, yeah, I don't really care until they sign. Uh, well, he signed now, you know, so it's definitely a huge moment. I need somebody in Texas to to find out what happened with Ruben Owens' tattoo. Like, I, I am beyond <laughs> intrigued to know because we had a whole episode where when we were trying to convince ourselves that he was going to sign here, we looked at the area codes of the other schools that were recruiting him and saw if any of them could easily be like you can turn five hundred two, <laughs> and none of them were possible. Like, none of the, there was no way to turn a five into like there was no eight that yeah. started. And so you look at it, I'm like, did he just get it? You know, did, did he get laser removal? Did he have something over it? I've got to know what ha- – is he going to play his whole college career with a tattoo of an area code for a school that he chose not to attend? <laughs> I was actually thinking about that this morning. He should have went to Alabama because Tuscaloosa is 205, and then he could have just told people that he had a dyslexic <laughs> he, tattoo on He just got it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that, that would have worked. I, you know, I, I, I think as he got – after he got that, he got a handful of more tattoos. Maybe he just went full sleeve. And just cover it up with some other stuff. I don't know. It's a good question, though. I mean, the college station area code is nine seven nine. No way to turn no five hundred two into nine seven nine. So, I mean, he he got it on a street sign for God's sake. It was his hometown <laughs> on one, and then five hundred two on the other. I've got to know what happened. I want somebody to ask the hard hitting question when Texas A and M Media Day rolls around. I'm intrigued to see what he does too this year. Like if he just lights it up or yeah, I mean that you know you would think he get on the field because they don't they didn't have a lot of depth at running back last year, and their their main guy got drafted. So you know I think. I would think, but Jimbo's offense is just and and then he's got Bobby Petrino there, and I don't know if he, you know, Petrino's offense obviously evolved with Lamar Jackson to kind of not really feature running backs very much. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see just how that whole thing works and whether or not Jimbo and Bobby end up fighting on the sideline one day. I can't wait. That's gonna be. I mean, if there were ever that remember that old Showtime show that would do like the season and they were doing Florida State when we. Oh, destroy yeah, them yeah. in 2016. I would love for a the season <laughs> on uh, on Texas A&M this year. I understand that the stream is going in and out. People are are letting us know wildly on the text line, and also <laughs> the, the the phone number that you can call in and listen to has apparently dropped as well. So, so <laughs> banner day, everything is falling apart. It's I'll not, look into it. It's not the quietest day in sports for no reason. That number, by the way, if you do ever want to call in and listen on your phone without using data, without going to the stream, if the stream is just acting up, you can always call five one eight nine three one. One one two five, five one eight nine three one 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 two five. Write that down, and then you should be able to listen to the show. But apparently, not right now. Any other time besides <laughs> right now, it should work flawlessly. We'll we'll look into the stream, we'll try to get stuff figured out. We'll have more with Keith Wynn coming up after the break. Keep it locked right here. More Rutherford Show is next on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. The Big X. Back in the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Mike Rutherford here with Keith Wynn and Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen. I, like, I go with the alias first and not the actual name first. That's, that's fine. That's how it works. Whatever here. you want. We've mentioned the, uh, the UK is, is representing Team USA in the men's version of the Global Jam. Is that game still going on, Scoots? Uh, it is, but I dropped it they to pulled away. figure out the stream. How is the stream doing? Because... 
Our, uh, our old text line is just people at, bitching about the stream. At this point, not any good. But I'm, I'm, working, <laughs> I'm working on correcting that. We'll try to get that fixed before the end of the show. Uh, but before the uh, the UK team took on Germany and the the men's edition of the Global Jam, the U of L women's basketball team started their summer run in Canada with a 78-55 victory over Puerto Rico. Um, it looks like a lot of the newcomers played very, very well. The game was available on stream. The next game that they're going to play, which is going to be, I believe, Friday. I need to get the, the the schedule in front of me here. But the next game that they're going to play is going to be on national TV. It'll be on CBS Sports Network. So that'll be good. You'll have nice. more people who can actually watch. Um, I, I enjoyed seeing the highlights. Cindy Taylor looked very good based on the highlights that the U L women's Twitter account was showing. Tyler Griever also had some... Some highlights. Alexia Mobley seemed to play pretty well, but I, I I look forward to watching a full game. That game on on Friday is going to be at five thirty though, so you know you'll have to you know pull double duty, have the, the the Mike Rutherford show on, also have CBS Sports Network on TV. You can do it. It can happen. <laughs> but the the U of L women starting off with a bang today, seventy eight fifty five rolling over Puerto Rico. I do like. I mean, Scoots was talking about how he was annoyed. The announcers keep referring to. Kentucky as Kentucky and not Team USA. When this is a, it's a global jam event. You're supposed to be representing your country. It does have very much of a Mighty Ducks too feel. Like the U of L women are wearing their Louisville jerseys as they play Puerto Rico, who has all on Puerto Rico jerseys. <laughs> I think all the other countries have like country uniforms, but you know, it just reminds me of the you know, the Ducks. I'm like, how do the guys feel who weren't members of the Ducks in the yeah, first right. one? I just I never understood how that that worked. But U of L women, nice start today, seventy eight fifty five. Uh, victory there. Keith, we, we were talking about TJ Capers in the the first segment there. It's been a big run in the 2024 class from Jeff Brom and company. I think at one point last weekend they had what, like four commits in five days. Uh, it, it, like, it's a good thing to get players. Are these players that are up to the caliber of the program? Are, are these guys that you are excited about? Is this feeling like another class that could be Fringe top twenty-five, top thirty-five. It seems like it's, it's got a solid foundation right now. I, I think that's you, you kind of nailed it. It's got a nice foundation. I think it's a mix, you know. And, and you know, like I said, it's it's there shouldn't be an expectation that they, that Brom comes in and has a you know top fifteen class in the summer like like you know like we saw last summer. Um, but I think the top of the class is outstanding. I mean, obviously Capers is Capers, but you know you got Isaac Brown. Uh, Dylan um, Meehan, I might be getting the name wrong. Tight end. Uh, tight end, you know, really, you know, really talented. I think the be- the best thing about this class that I've seen so far is that, you know, you can tell that they are putting a premium on guys they feel, um, from a size standpoint, fit playing at the level that they are. Um, you know, you've got guys that are 6'5 defensive ends, you know, 6'4. They're going after guys that are, that are tall, great frames, Um and and you know I think that's that's kind of comes from being in the Big Ten where you have to have those guys that have the right size and can play at that level and you're going to be playing against NFL guys every week. Um, it's one of the one of the more interesting things about what I've seen. Um, but the other thing is that there's some guys in this class and I've tweeted about this multiple times that you know they're they're going to schools like Florida for visits and things like that and they're kind of lowly rated kids you know and and it just doesn't really add up that their offers and their visits and whatnot don't really line up. Um, you know, some of that changes over time. We saw that with um, Deuce Adams uh, was, you know, middle to low rated three star. And now he's up there as a fringe four star uh, after getting out there in the camps and people seeing him. And sometimes, you know, I know people hate it when they always say, well, kids commit to Louisville and their, their ratings drop. And it's like, that's not really always the case. 
sometimes when you go out there and you find these guys that are maybe underrated or maybe under the radar, um, you know, committing gets gets these recruiting guys to pay attention, and next thing you know, their their rankings go up. So. I think they've hit on a few guys that I think are really, really impressive. I think there's some guys that are maybe a little bit more questionable, but uh, you know, but when you look at some of the bottom of the class guys, they're you know, uh, you got guys looking at Oklahoma and guys looking at Florida and, and North Carolina and things like that. Those are the types of schools they want to compete against. So if you're getting guys that have legit offers from those schools, you kind of bypass a rating and, and really go by what does the film show you, what their measurables look like, and then what are the other schools that want them uh, because those schools get talented kids all the time. I thought it was you bring up Deuce Adams. I, one of the interesting things from the last few months. So we get the commitment from him, and he's not. You know, he's he's a three star prospect. He wasn't insanely well regarded and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And then I talked to people around the program who were like Jeff and the staff. Like they love this kid. Like yeah. they, they think he's going to be really really good. And so you just sort of you you have to do the the defer thing where you're like he's had some success with quarterbacks, yeah, especially guys yeah. that weren't all that well thought of. Exactly. You kind of have to trust him here. And now he goes to these camps, and like you said, he's getting bumped up to a four-star in, in a number of scouting services. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of uh, attention for being potentially a top 15 quarterback in this class. That's uh, That position, I think you just you, – you defer to Jeff Brom and Brian right. Brom, and you say, they, these guys know a little bit uh, yeah, about 100%. this. Speaking of, it leads me to my – the question that I wanted to ask you and the question that got asked to me over the weekend at a, at a birthday party. So there's all this talk about expectations for the season. People are setting the over-under at 7.5 or 8, and people are saying 8 wins, 9 wins, 10 wins. I, I think UofL fans are very, very excited. They're, they're juiced for the season. The season ticket sales reflect that for sure. There are people now who are you know, we're getting all this love for being, hey, if, if, you know, which I, I get why it's happening when you look at the schedules, but you know, the ACC dark horse, the, the, the CFP, if somebody's going to sneak up there. And I think it's it's a little bit much right now. And the one question that I have to ask, and I feel like it's the question that I'm worried we may look back at like seven games in the season and be like, we should have probably talked about this a little bit more. What if Jack Plummer's just not good enough? Like, like this, <laughs> We are putting a lot of eggs in the basket of this guy who's always been, you know, okay. He, yeah. he, he was good yeah. enough at Cal. You can, he certainly has the arm to play the position. And you look at Cal and he was under – an ungodly amount of pressure. It felt like every time he dropped back to throw, you assume that's going to be better here. But what if he's just not the guy? Like, like I, I feel like this is, we're putting a lot of it. Like we look solid at about every other spot. Linebacker, you know, we mentioned a little, little bit thin there. They've yeah. tried to, to do their best to replace secondary. They certainly bolstered with the transfer portal. D line should be good. O line, they went out in the transfer portal and got some help. Running back, I think you feel really good about the guys you have there. Wide receivers, you've got a ton of talent. Tight end, they still need a little bit of help. Maybe somebody from Northwestern. I don't. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe that's possible. Maybe, uh, but but quarterback, it's like, what if Jack Plummer's just not not the guy? I, I mean, you've got options behind him. You've got more depth, but we know what the 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 two biggest options can do. We know Brock Doman and Evan Conley, and they are serviceable backups. That's, they are not guys who are going to take us to a I think nine ten win season. Right. And then you know, Pierce Clarkson, we didn't really get a chance to see him. Uh, Allen. Maybe he would be the guy. I don't know. We'll have to see more in fall camp. But, like, what if Jack Palmer's just not good? So it's going to be real bad if he's not very good. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fair thing. Um, you know, I'll take it two ways. I mean, obviously, you know, um, he's such a key part of what they do, and any quarterback is. But, of course, in this offense and, and the fact that, you know, Jeff's going to want to throw the ball around and things like that, you need a guy. Um, you know, I think he's, he's, he's also serviceable, a serviceable starter. I don't think he's a guy that's going to win Louisville football games. I think the guys around him are talented enough to do that, though. Um, but if he really falters, it's, it's kind of a two-way street. That's a huge thing. 
but also it can't you, you you know it's it's only fair to question or at least maybe somewhat question Jeff Brom going for a guy that hadn't really won him games before when the quarterback market market in the portal was pretty wealthy. I mean, you, there's a lot of guys. Ole Miss has three guys now that are starting guys that he just kind of two of those guys he didn't really take a chance on. Uh, and it's it's his call. Don't get me wrong. You know, and I don't think that Jack Plummer was a bad pickup. But if he does, if he's not the guy, and he leads to this season that should be based on the schedule, a very good season for Louisville, and they have a poor season. You you know that's a fair call out to say, man, maybe he should have gone with a different guy, or or why did he go with a guy that he, you know, benched in the past and hasn't been a hasn't been able to win games uh, where he's been, and that's just that's just statistical fact, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm not big on QB wins, but you're you know you can't help but say, okay. Other guys in your situation have maybe done better. I mean, when he when he hit the bench at Purdue, they seemed to play better uh, after his time there. So you know, it's it, it'd be fair to question that, but I do think that he is such a huge factor of whether or not this season goes well or not. Uh, because if he plays fine, I think they're going to be good. If he plays poorly, I think it's going to it's going to it's it's a it's a huge. Uh, you know, it's a it's a cliff. It's a falling off a cliff at that point. You know, he can just be a serviceable fine guy, and you've got good running backs. To your point, you've got a defense that should be good, um, and and can help you win games. And you've got wide receivers that that should help them really open up the offense and and do some big things, no matter who's throwing the ball. But if you play poorly, turn the ball over, inaccurate, uh, hold the ball too long, all those things like that, and kill drives and 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 things like that. Oh man, it could be really bad. It kind of has almost 2014 vibes where, you know, Teddy's moved on and you're looking at who's next and it's a couple of veterans, couple of newcomers and who's it going to be. And the team plays well enough at every other spot to, they still, they went nine and three that year Mm -hmm. for their bowl game. But also like if they'd had a decent quarterback play against Virginia, they don't get upset early in the season. If they'd had, I mean, they didn't, you know, Clemson beat them without scoring an offensive touchdown. Yeah. Will Gardner played well against Florida State, but they still, you know, that's the one where just fluky stuff happened. If they'd had solid quarterback play that entire season, you, you know, it felt like there was even more there that was there for the taking. You wonder if if that's going to be the deal this year. You hope it's not, but let's say Louisville slips up early in the season. It's primarily Jack Plummer's fault. It's not going to take long for people to start clamoring for you know, Brady Allen or Pierce Clark. I mean, the Pierce Clarkson claim, without even seeing this guy play ever, people are going to be like, let's get him out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw him out there. And, I, and I, you know, you do kind of wonder if there will be some some flip-flop in there. But hopefully we don't get to that point. And the best way for that not to happen is for everybody around him to help out. I think that the wide receiver play should be good enough to have some explosive plays, mm-hmm. more than we had last year. I think the running, I mean, you feel really good about Jawar Jordan, Maurice Turner, and some of the newcomers. Yeah, that's and that's going to be the key, you know, even last year at Purdue, they finally got a running game that really really went well, and you can see there are some games where they just relied on that, and they just weren't able to do that before. So I think if they can you know, improve that running attack, uh, it's, it's, it's no different than when we saw Brock Doman come in and play last year. You know, it really opened up when they can, they can run the ball well, mm-hmm. and now you know you can't pressure him as much. He didn't have to worry as much about carrying it all on his own shoulders, and you can see the games where that when the running game was working, and he just looked relaxed back there and played well. And when it wasn't working as well, he's out there trying to win the game on on every throw. And you know, it's just a, it completely changes how quarterbacks play if you're if you're just handing the ball off and you know the offense can still go. So I think that'll be the biggest thing for Jack Plummer. But I think if it's all on his shoulders, um, yeah, I think that's what part of what you saw when he was at Cal. You know, he didn't really have this great offense around him. And then when he was at you know Purdue, it was really more on trying to sling the ball around a lot and didn't really have a great running game and. 
you know, maybe that's part of why he struggled in those places. Uh, quick note on U of L's first game this season. It's yeah, it's been the Chick Fil A kickoff game forever. Louisville's played it before, uh, back when it was at the Georgia Dome. Now it's Mercedes Benz Stadium. Uh, it's they're they're going to play in the game this year, but it's got a new name, new sponsor. It's the Aflac <laughs> kickoff game. The first ever Aflac kickoff game is going to feature Louisville and Georgia Tech. This is big news. This changes the entire, I think, landscape <laughs> of the game. I'm excited about this as a longtime fan of the Aflac Duck. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to get this thing going, but it feels it, it, I got I did a kind of a double take. I saw people, you know, it's one of those announcements. It goes into play this morning, I guess. The announcement's made, and I see people automatically just casually referring to it as the Aflac kickoff game, and I'm like, oh, hold on, what, what happened? We we need like a parenthesis, like an explanation or or something. But Aflac kickoff game is happening. I'm excited. I think the funniest thing is that Chick Fil A sponsored game in an NFL stadium that plays on Sundays and. They have. They yeah. apparently have. I, put, I think they actually have, like concessions there that just aren't open on Sundays. That's it's very silly to me. I mean, Chick Fil A was sponsoring the the Peach Bowl back in the day before I even knew what Chick Fil A was. I just remember right. like we didn't have Chick Fil A. It was nowhere in the area, and I would watch that in like 1998, and I'm like, oh, it was always a, one of the better games on New Year's Eve. But the kickoff game is the nation's longest running neutral site game on opening weekend. Has defined the start of college football season since its creation in 2008. Let's let's pump the brakes. Out, <laughs> the game has regularly hosted the nation's top uh, teams and has drawn 1.3 million fans and 99.8 million television. Oh, we're pushing that over 100 million this year. It's also distributed 114 million dollars in team payouts and created an additional 549.3 million dollar in economic impact. Look at that, Louisville and Georgia Tech adding to it. Future games in the Aflac kickoff. We've got Clemson. God, <laughs> this year it's Louisville, Georgia Tech. Next year it's Clemson, Georgia. <laughs> Slide off, great. I mean, no disrespect to, to us, but my God, that is a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congrats to Aflac for getting us first, and maybe hold off that deal until twenty twenty four, and then in twenty twenty five, some years they have two. They'll have one on on Friday or Saturday, and then they'll have the Monday night game. I think we did that against yeah, Ole Miss. That was, yeah, uh, they had one on Saturday and then one on Monday. In 2025, they're going to have Virginia Tech versus South Carolina and then Syracuse versus Tennessee. Shades of the old uh, Donovan McNabb, T. Martin yeah. game. Uh, all those games are going to be played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in, in Atlanta. But it is now the Aflac kickoff game. No more Chick-fil-A. <laughs> if you hate Chick-fil-A, your time has come. Yeah, there you go. Go all in on Aflac. Uh, Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. We can, I mean, it's all just people who are complaining about the stream. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm, I'm sorry. resetting everything He's, in Scoots hopes is, that that works. Scoots is doing everything he can. You drug him away aye, from aye, the Kentucky aye. basketball game. He did all he could. We'll take a couple of texts here before we we call it a, a wrap on hour number one. I do like the texts that are like like from leftover from KRC that I saw. South End Josh here. This is from like 125. The analysis of U of L this offseason has been so over the top and over exaggerated. Brom could be seen at a Chipotle eating lunch, and it would elevate U of L season win total by two wins. <laughs> I I have mentioned it before. I am uh, I, I was looking for some negative like, like preseason prognostications because I feel like we've become we're at that point in the summer where college football previewing it because it, it basically starts when the NCAA tournament. I mean, hell, it starts like in February before yeah. college basketball even goes. And by the time you get to the summer, every aspect has already been analyzed. Like these rosters have been, you know, people have made season predictions, the odds are out there. So you start looking for angles that haven't been, you're just looking for clickbait. You're, you're yeah. looking, you're trying to engage fan bases that you maybe haven't engaged yet. Mm-hmm. And so you start doing the, 
who could be this year's TCU? Yeah. Like, could uh, you know, could Kent State make a miraculous run to the college football <laughs> playoff? You just start saying crazy stuff. And U of L has been honed in because of the schedule and because mm-hmm. Jeff coming in and his his reputation for being kind of a giant slayer. And they have gotten a lot of positive national attention. I did see earlier this week, and we talked about it on the show. College football news projected Louisville to go six and six, and all Jeez. six outside of there, they have Louisville losing the season opener against Georgia Tech. But outside of that, like all five of the losses were were fairly reasonable. I mean, yeah. they've got Louisville losing to Kentucky, they've got them losing to Pitt, they've got the three game losing streak during that stretch against NC State, Notre Dame, and and, and on the road against Pitt. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's I, possible. I, I can see those things happening, and then they have them ending the season with two straight at Miami and then Kentucky, losing both those games. I think the the Georgia Tech game, I'll be very disappointed if they lose. I think you should yeah. win that one. Outside of that, like, it's a schedule. We've talked so much about how y- you avoid Carolina, you avoid Clemson, you avoid Florida State. It's also a schedule when you look at it. Outside of Murray State, you're like, all these teams could kind of beat you. Like, like it, it's, yeah. And you, you feel that way every year in the ACC where there's like two or three teams that you know are really good maybe one or two teams at the very bottom that you feel like you should trounce. And then everybody else, it's like, hell, I don't that, that team could go nine and three or three and mm-hmm. nine. I don't I don't know. Well you look at last year, you had Duke and Syracuse become two teams or at least at points in the season. You're like, these guys could be competing for the you know, for the division. And you know, maybe you know, they, you know, Syracuse flamed out a little bit, but I think Duke won eight games last year. They're good. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything could happen in a year and any team can kind of flip, you know, flip things around, especially when you have a new a new coach or a new quarterback. Um you know, obviously, quarterback play is always such a big factor to anything. And so, when you get into a season where you have some of these teams that have transfers coming in that should should upgrade them, or uh, veterans coming back, I mean, we obviously know that with Malik coming in every year, you always felt like Louisville had a chance because Malik had the opportunity to make big plays and, and take over games and things like that. It's such a huge factor, in whether you know. So, so for me, I mean, the, the schedule is a schedule, and you you look at it. And you know, the other day, I guess somebody came out with like they they're favored in every game. I, I don't think that they should be favored. Can in we every stop game. running with that too? Everybody <laughs> like, it, now it's become a thing where like we're talking like Louisville's favored in every. I'm like it's yeah, one guy's guy, system yeah, right. that, that projects Louisville to be favored. Louisville's not going to be favored in all twelve games, right? You know, so but you know, on paper, and you know, I keep saying it. You know, I always say what with what we know now, yeah, Louisville should win. Nine plus games, you know. But when you get to the season and you've got some of these games, some of the teams they beat last year, they're they're probably not going to beat this year, and mm-hmm. and we know that that should be the case. That you shouldn't expect them. It shouldn't be given. But I think it's all about where you set the expectations. And you know, I don't think Louisville's in a position with bringing Jeff Brown back or in, and with what they have coming back, plus what he's brought in himself, and that schedule. To accept them to backtrack, you know what I mean. That that would be a disappointment, yeah. I think, for most people. So, you know, six and six seems insane. Um, you know, but I, I think that if they if they don't hit, if they don't reach the the, you know, hey, they got to ten wins finally. Uh, and I think that's another thing. We haven't seen ten wins in the ACC yet, and I think no. the the factor of that's kind of close and a potential to get back to just being where you know you have Lamar Jackson, you still can't get to ten wins, and it's like, man, maybe we got a chance this time. I think it's hard not to get excited about the potential of that, which leads to people kind of getting a little bit, maybe a little bit over the top. For sure. I mean, I, I think that we're all – people view this as a reset. When, yeah. we, when we went to the ACC in 2014, there was this thought that the good times were going to keep rolling. Sure, it's a little bit tougher, but instead of going 11-1, and one, we're going to go 9-3, and 10-2. And, two, and then yeah. maybe there's an occasional down year where we go 7-5, and five, and, and then the bottom falls out, and we just, we've just never been the consistent – 
top tier team yeah. that I think we thought we were going to be, and now people view this as as a chance for that to happen. You just don't know. I mean, the, the entire this time last year, the big narrative was like, my God, if Satterfield like only beat Syracuse by ten, then we'll know we've got huge <laughs> issues. Yeah. And then we go out there and we just get our ass handed to us, and, and it winds up being a Syracuse team that, like you said, for the first six games, first half of the season, looked way way better than anybody thought they were going to be, and and honestly, still going six and six. Still was better than people thought they were going yeah. to be. I mean, people were thinking Dino Babers was going to get fired last year, and you know it didn't happen. So, um, but uh, you know the other part about it, this is the fun part about college football is that you don't know. I yeah. mean, literally every weekend you go into a game and you never really know. And of course, I write about the other team more than anything, and 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 that's where where I got started. Is kind of you know my whole thing is when I started writing those breakdowns is because I used to get frustrated when Louisville would lose a game. And people will just flip out and like they should not lose this game. And it's like, okay, other teams have good players too, guys. They're like, trying to win too, you know. And and so that's kind of what spurned this. What twelve years ago now? God, yeah, that was long. I've been writing for the site. We're very old. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, so for me, like obviously, you know, it's definitely not lost on me. Even my own standpoint, I I have to temper myself, and I'm like, yeah, you look at the schedule, and it's like it's hard to find five losses or even four losses. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got schools that are going out and they hit the portal hard. They got good quarterbacks coming in or, or good, you know, game changers on defense, pass rushers. We saw Florida State last year get Jared Verse uh, out of wherever he came from, and he led the led the ACC in sacks. You know, like you can get a game-changing player in the portal now that can completely change your season, specifically if they're in certain spots. And Miami had one of the best recruiting classes in the country and then also hit the portal hard. So, you know, these teams that were maybe weren't great last year can easily turn it on. Uh, and then you also have coaches. Some of these guys are in their second year. Or maybe it just take, might just take a year to really get it going. So there's just there's a lot of unknown, which which leads to the exciting part of, you know, how college football, what college football is, to me at least. All right, I think we got the stream fixed. Stream is, is good to go. Yeah. Scoots, there we yeah. go. Everything on my end sounds great. Scoots is rolling if you've been uh, listening on terrestrial radio because you couldn't get the stream to work or whatever. Hop back on now. We're good to go. Lock it in. We got two more hours. That's above my pay grade, by the way, and I figured it out. So <laughs> no excuse on. for Trevor. No excuse. No excuse for Trevor. No excuse. <laughs> At least see, the thing is, I didn't even know there was something you could do to like try to fix it because Trevor never tries. Trevor never does anything. So <laughs> well, he'd have to get out of a seat. To you were up. And, you were up like walking around. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this was an option. Uh, we so big shout to Scoots for for fixing that. Stream should be good to go. We got two more hours here. Keep it locked. More with Keith Wynn after the break here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. The Big X. Here I go, here I go again, uh, girls. Yeah. What's my weakness? Yeah. Okay, then chillin', chillin', mindin' my business. Right. You saw that I looked around and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stand, my niece, my witness. The brother had it going on with something kinda uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick it. I'm not shy, so I asked for the ditches. I hope no, that don't make me see what All I'm doing. Alright, now number two here, Wednesday edition, my brother for sure. On 1450, the big X. Cream should be fixed, we should be good to go. You're listening out in streamland. Turn it up. The breaking has stopped. You should be good to, to go for the next two hours. I, I see that we have to make fun of Nick Roush here for a second because uh, yes. Roush has a— One of my favorite pastimes. The UK, the first Global Jam game, has come to an end. And he tweets out, Kentucky opened Global Jam with a nine-point win. 
if only somebody had made that exact prediction this morning. He did. Well, and then he. I li- can confirm. So he links to his on three story, which in the headline right beneath his <laughs> says Kentucky men's basketball opens global jam with an eighty one seventy three win over Germany. Ooh. Did the quick math there. Uh, this is big X math. I know we, we we don't. This is not our specialty. That is an eight point win. <laughs> Which unfortunately is what TJ Walker predicted exactly. is going to happen. Yep. So, so Roush thumping his chest here, then linking to a story which immediately proves that he was incorrect <laughs> is a that's a fantastic that's hilarious. move that's and a great way to start basketball season around here. This is <laughs> this is awesome. But so John Calipari's prediction today of uh, hey we may lose all four we may go zero and four in this thing shockingly <laughs> does not come to fruition as uh, as Kentucky takes care of the the Germans. With an 81-73 victory. And Germans could shoot, though. Could they? Yeah, they had some deep ball guys. I, I thought that they were worried about the fact that, because Kentucky, Uganda has suffered, suffered an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradshaw, we knew, was hurt and wasn't going to play in this thing. So they were all concerned that they've got a 6-11 guy and a 6-8 front court. And all that. Yeah, it wasn't really a game they needed a whole lot of size. I mean, Trey Mitchell did some nice things while I was watching. But, yeah, I mean, you didn't, you didn't need a whole lot of size that game. If Huggins wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> this UK team would be so much worse. We really Trey Mitchell is going to be a real nice piece. And I was also I was also thinking of you as I was watching it earlier. I was like, man, I bet Mike's sitting here watching DJ Wagner sick to his stomach. He looked good because he he looked pretty good. He and Dillian both were getting to the basket with you. Of course, Germany like they, they weren't guarding. I, I saw right. like five minutes earlier, and they're like walking the ball to the basket and laying it in. I'm like, well, this is yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> only there's only so much you can take out of a game like this. He's, but yeah, he's Germans. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not happy that they got Trey Mitchell, who is pretty good, but. Uh, Kentucky and Louisville, the women's team, both starting their Global Jam runs. Like I don't know why the G O L B O L without the A is just driving me crazy. Same. So I, just, yeah. I write it normally every single time that I refer to it. But both teams start their uh, their runs with wins. UK wins by eight. U of L wins by twenty three. I believe twenty three is more than eight by a solid amount. So <laughs> women's basketball team is better. better than the men's team. <laughs> Would U of L women beat the UK men? Let's talk about it. <laughs> 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sachs line. Uh, we spent the first hour talking a, a lot of Cardinal football. We got Keith Wynn in studio today. We were discussing the TJ Capers commitment from yesterday. We also uh, sort of had a hodgepodge of topics about the, the defense, about Jack Plummer, and, and about all that good stuff, the schedule in general. If you have a question for Keith, do hit us up on the Thornton Sachs line at 502-414-1450. Uh, real quickly, wrapping up a conversation from – from yesterday about the the Major League Baseball draft, which did have its third day, Jack Payton did get drafted while we were on the air. Patrick Ryan uh, let me know that he is the the he was the fourth and final U of L baseball player to hear his name called in, in the MLB draft. Christian Napchik went to the Guardians. He was the first player taken from the from U of L. Uh, then Tate Keener was drafted in the seventh round, I believe. Ryan Hawks went in the eighth round, and then Jack Payton yesterday in the eleventh round. The big news, if you're looking for just from a U of L perspective, obviously you're happy about the kids who did hear their names called. But this is going to wind up being the first year because of what happened with the draft where Dan McDonald's not going to lose a single signee. Mm-hmm. All, his entire recruiting class is going to wind up making it here because uh, you know they had some guys that th- there was some thought that maybe they would get drafted high enough to, to pursue a professional career. Zion Rose was a guy that uh, I think they were discussing. He ended up not even hearing his name called. It does help that there's only 20 rounds now as opposed to 50 uh, a couple of years ago, but every single year that, uh, that 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 Dan has been here, he's lost at least one kid to the professional ranks because of where they've been drafted. The entire recruiting class should stay intact for next season. No Dalen Lyles this year, no Joe Adels this year, no Jake uh, or, or Rizzi's from back in the day. 
Uh, a lot of times you've had these these kids that have been taken in the top ten, and it's been it's been cool to have your name affiliated with them, but it's also sucked to not actually get them on campus. So I, I'm expecting a bounce back here for Dan McDonald and company. We mentioned him getting the Horizon League Pitcher of the Year mm. as a transfer last season. UVA baseball will be back. I think be the, well, you know, I think the high school kids are are important. It is nice to see them work the transfer portal a little bit. I know that was a call out for the folks that you know really you know follow the team and cover the team is that they just really haven't done that, but. I watched I watched Zion Rose like I watched some of his highlights and whatnot. That kid, kid, Looks I good. think he's an impact guy, you know. Uh, and I think that's one thing that's really exciting is can you have another guy like a you know no Eddie King Jr. was a, was a redshirt guy, but I think even coming in there was excitement that he could come in early and play, but you know ended up I believe getting injured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I I'm really excited to see if some of these young guys come in and really contribute right away um, because I think that's that's something that at least from my view, my own personal view. Um, it's kind of lacking with Louisville baseball. You see around the country and you see some of these really good teams have these star freshmen, and you really want to see if Louisville can kind of get get that and, and have a couple guys like that um, who also don't go to the draft. You know, So that's the exciting part for me is not just not just getting here, getting them to come, but also maybe they can be impact guys early on next year and really help them have more depth. Uh, you know, this this season coming up, it's been a rarity. I mean, Dan is is very much old school as far as like he likes to build teams. The way it used to always be, you had a big time recruiting class. They would sit the bench their, their freshman years. Mm-hmm. They would, and, and the team would kind of be that was the down year. The second year, that you start playing those kids more, and they they'd mix in with the veterans, and you'd, you'd be in the the NCAA tournament. You'd have a good season, and then year three was when you made your run. Yeah, and then all those kids would go pro, and you'd recycle, and that was the the way that it always worked. And he he's adhered to that for the most part. I think there have been a couple of exceptions. Brennan McKay was a guy who you knew, I mean, played right away, right. and you knew he was going to. He's one of the best college baseball players of all time. And then Corey Ray, I remember he didn't start out playing a lot, but the mm-hmm. second half of that season, his freshman year, it was obvious like you had to, to get him out there, right. and, and he did that. But yeah, very much he, he tends to bring guys along slowly. The one thing that I'll say about Dan McDonald, and one of the things that I like about him the most, is despite the fact that he's come here and had so much success over 16 years, he's never been afraid to change. Like, like he's, And this is what I heard after last season. You mentioned people having concerns about us not utilizing the transfer portal enough. Like One of the things that I heard immediately from people that are, are close to him was he'll hit the transfer portal hard. Like, yeah. like, he's real, like He didn't think he needed to. He realized this year... I need to. He saw what was going on in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. He'll adapt to it. And it's like when the when the bats changed in, I think it was 2010, and Louisville had this big down year, like they changed their entire offensive approach the next year, and they were right back in the mix to go to College World Series. Like right. he, He's not afraid to adapt with the times. And I, th- I do think that that's – you're seeing a lot of frustration with that with fans on the men's basketball side now when you hear Kenny Payne talking about, like, I don't – you know, we're going to do things the right way. I'm like, there's not really a, a yeah. right or wrong <laughs> way anymore. You just – you do it the winning way. Yeah, do, that's it. <laughs> look at what the other programs are doing that are that are winning, and maybe start doing what they're doing. And I, I think that like, there's no reason to believe that Louisville baseball is going to stay down for long. It was this was the, I'm, you could say it, the most disappointing season in the McDonald era so yeah. far as compared to preseason expectations and being number two in the country at yeah. one point. I mean, and how they started the season. Yeah, you know they started Unreal. off really well. So yeah, I, I agree 100. percent But he's they've been wildly consistent since he got here. I'd expect that to return next season. And if it doesn't, then you can start having the conversations yeah. about what's going wrong and and what needs to change moving forward. But I think the guys earned the benefit of the doubt over 16 years. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty Thornton's text line. We'll take a couple texts from you guys here. Uh, yeah, the the text line is is saying stream is good. 
Scoots, you're a hero. You are a conquering <laughs> champion of the show. Woo-hoo. People now want you to replace Trevor full time. We'll send Trevor back to mornings. We'll bring you on with us because you're Man, you're doing I, stuff. You know how much I would I, as much as I would dislike the three hour show. You know how much I would love to sleep in. <laughs> it, it, it'd be nice. It would be great. It'd be nice. There's a part. I mean, you do have multiple jobs though, so you've got to balance. Yeah. You do the the radio, and then you do the hotel stuff. And then when sports sports start, I do play by play too. Yeah, I mean, so you're all over the place. When sports start, I get stupid crazy. There is something like I do kind of envy the the morning show for you know, if you, whether it's seven to ten or seven to nine like KRC. You know, you get that it's it's done. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to get up early. It does you know make you go to bed a little early. You you miss some stuff and. But it is nice to have that freedom in the afternoon, and, and I know, I mean, TJ and Nick both do other things as well. But mm-hmm. so when I first came over, I just like I, I knew the cares, but like they were kind of they were kind of acting like it was my choice for like what I was going to pick. And they're like, would you? I was like, well, you know, I've got kids. Like mornings, I thought would be kind of nice. They're like, well, we were thinking afternoons. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, I don't know, I don't even know why it was ever proposed. Like, <laughs> like I had some sort of say in it. Um, but yeah, Karis, I am kind of jealous that they they get to do that and get it over with. But it's, uh, it's but at the same time, getting off air. At nine we miss a lot of information it's the, always, a lot of breaking news happens right after we get off air i do always feel like morning shows are reacting to what happened the night before exactly. or sometimes the afternoon before whereas afternoon you're kind of going on the fly mm-hmm. a lot of times things are happening while you're doing the show and uh you're reacting to the stuff from that morning and it's it, but then it all it happens opposite sometimes like we out. were we were one of the first ones to get to talk about the whole pat Fitzgerald news on Monday. Well, God love you for that. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not a shining example, but. <laughs> yeah. I was. Did you get I've to been clamoring to, to talk about Pat Fitzgerald all week. <laughs> My poor brother, he's a Northwestern fan. Because he went there, he's just no, he's not happy about the whole yeah. situation. Yeah, it sucks, but he's he's very much on the he had to go bandwagon, which I think is yeah. kind of the only bandwagon to be on at this I point. I grew up watching North- Northwestern. You know, being from Chicago, you know, Northwestern's one of the first college teams I even heard of. College sports aren't very big there, but I grew up watching Pat Fitzgerald. Like yeah. that was one of the first, you know, big time players I ever watched. And you know, and it was like, when that news dropped, I was like, "Yeah, I can see that." Like, yeah. I was just like, "It just seems like that's the type of program." He's just kind of a meathead, and I'm like, "Yeah, I can see really weird hazing stuff." Because I mean, you know, I played football in high school, and you know, I saw some things, and I'm like, "Okay, this is just weird. Why are you guys doing this?" Like. That that took it to such a different level. I was like, "This is just gross. Like, what is going on?" And but I'm like, "Yeah, I can see it. I can see it." I I mean, the thing is, like you said, playing sports for a while and then knowing people who played sports and hearing stories <laughs> in college, like, like I I wasn't surprised at all. Right. I, I you you hear stuff that's that's worse than that, and it's it's terrible, and you do hope it's being phased out. I think the the thing that made it so bad for Fitzgerald was. He on video multiple times has taken this like we're at the forefront of anti hazing, like yeah. we're against it, and then hearing the stories and seeing the videos of him purportedly being in on it, where he's doing the, the little like yeah. sign above the kid that you need to to kind of haze is not a is not a good look. I just don't understand like the I I didn't get it when I was at Trinity. I, I didn't get it when I've heard other places like the, the nudity stuff. Yeah. Like when people like just it's always the weirdest part of it. I don't. I mean, yeah, like like going back to yeah, going back to high school days. I'm like, why are you guys naked? Like, what is the, we're is so this? straight. We're gonna make you touch each other's balls. I've never understood it. I've never gotten it at all. Like, <laughs> look how straight I am. I'm gonna flash my nut like right in your, like, like <laughs> okay. It's the most odd part. Can I was I like, that? I don't really get like this is the thing. Like you guys seem to be going like you said though. It's like yeah, I'm. It's like. This is exactly what you're saying. You're not, but it's you never made sense. Like, it's to me. very weird. It's man. never. I've yeah. never gotten it. The the, the the weird hazing stuff has yeah. just always been bizarre. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, the, the Pat Fitzgerald story is is super strange. Okay, can I say that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a long history of being like, can I say that after I say stuff? Uh, on it? I love it. I haven't gotten fired yet, <laughs> at least for me, for that. You won't. I, yeah, I mean, I did have to do the the modules at iHeart the one time. <laughs> the the morale. I don't even know what it was. It was like the the. Uh, morality modules or whatever where you just had to like look at the computer and it had like a, i had to take like a little class where it was like a, you, you know like you do it oh, for okay. orientation at new jobs yeah. and that was because i for said word yeah it was because i said boner a bunch of times in a, in a, in a robot voice <laughs> <laughs> which was still worth it at the end. <laughs> it was very much worth it they're like we're sorry we had some complaints like who was complaining about that it was hilarious I have a boner. Um, there you go. Now I'm going to have to do it again. Texture says, uh, I often wonder which one of the seven deadly sins Trevor would have killed for in the film Seven. And it's honestly too hard to decide the sin that he is most guilty of. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair question. Um, well, Glutton? I, mean, I was going to say Glutton. Glutton seems, was the first thing that came to my mind. Seems, yeah. Just hearing what he orders on it, and that's not a, it's not a, that's not a physical thing. Just hearing what he orders on DoorDash every day on his phone yeah. is excessive. It, it, it's a lot. He doesn't, he doesn't need that. I much. mean, the man's got a stack of twenty Arby's coupons. I mean, the, the, the Arby's thing is just one of those things. That's so he's like, yeah, I eat Arby's every day, and I was like, I was kind of joking, and I was like, no, he there was Arby's we had a streak where yeah. it was I think forty seven straight days. So he Keith, bought Arby's in the studio. Keith, you want a coupon? I got one for you. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I'm, I think I'm all right. The amount of money that he spends on DoorDash. I mean, we do like we will do DoorDash if we're in a bind with like the kids are just terrible and like you know we want we don't have anything to eat at the house. Mm -hmm. Like we will do DoorDash occasionally, and it's so much money for a normal. And like we feel so bad about it afterwards. Like we've got to stop this. Trevor does it every night, (laughs) and sometimes twice a day. And it's like it's like fifty five bucks per meal, and gets from places that he passes on his way home. (laughs) That's That's the crazy thing. It's insane. Kelsey, I, I used to do DoorDash for lunch when I worked over in Indiana, and I just didn't have time to get places. And Kelsey did the math on it, and when she told me how much we were spending on DoorDash in a year, I was like, okay, that's like my old salary. It's a job. lot. It's like, that's insane. So it, just cutting that out alone is just like, all right, we have money to spend on stuff now. It's it's ridiculous. I try not to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Texas, I'm glad Keith is finally on. So I, we get this. You know what it's going to be. You know, you know mm-hmm. what the ask is going to be. I know exactly what it is. So I can ask him to unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> I looked and I've never tweeted anything at him. So please unblock me so I can follow you. We'll get your name and we'll, we'll see if that can work. Here's we'll, the thing, man. If you haven't tweeted at me, that means it's somehow another your tweet showed over my timeline. And it was so bad that I was like, I don't want to see this. Oh. <laughs> like, just being honest here. That's probably what it is, but who knows? I don't know. Keith does block a lot of people. I block a lot of people, man. I, I would block people in real life if I could. Now, Skits, you weren't on the – did you listen to the show at all yesterday? Uh, I heard bits and pieces, yeah. So did you see the – did you hear the beginning of the show when I, I was reading the notes that TJ had left for me on this piece of paper? I did not, know. So – But I knew he was leaving you something. Yeah, so I, I have like, I don't – my notepads, the cleaning crew at the other station just like threw them all away. They've got my name on them. They were sitting right there. We didn't need to throw them away. They just threw them all away. I'm very upset about it. I remember – that was actually last time that I produced for you. Was it? I remember that, yeah, because you were pretty heated. I'm still not over it. I'm still – ridiculous. And then the next time I felt like they were listening because they like, sat my piece of paper like over in the corner by itself. I'm like, just <laughs> clean around it. They left Trevor's TK and dust on the computer forever. <laughs> Which but, is probably still there. And, no, it, it, finally, it finally went away. But so I, like, I've just taken like loose scraps of paper over here and I'm just writing down stuff every now and then that I, w- I want to remember to talk about. And yesterday I come in and next to my notes from, from Monday show, TJ had written out the following topics that he wanted me to talk about. 
and it was Scoot's sex contract, <laughs> Scoot's plowing Walmart girl, Scoot's, quote, turning women straight, Scoot's Twitter likes, Scoot's debilitating sex addiction, and then it was Matt Ruffalo winning Governor's Cup MVP and favorite win of the KP era so far, which I was like, this is good. I don't get the last one pertaining to me, but the, re- <laughs> the rest of them are all pretty good stories for sure. I, I vaguely remember some of them. The, the sex contract, wasn't that about the, was that when you were trying to, that they were going to, you were going to get hired as the, to impregnate your not, ex-girlfriend who turned into so, a lesbian? Not so much hired. <laughs> she was never my girlfriend. I, I love but it she up. was, she was married to a woman, yes. Okay, I was, I was, yes. I, I was the details escaped me a little bit, but it was a, it's a fascinating story. And, and then they, they uh, split up shortly after, so <laughs> Thank good God. thing it didn't work out. I don't know if I want to know about the Walmart girl. I don't. I don't. I, don't. I was just nineteen year old. You, you can use your imagination there. It's gonna happen. Coworker. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. that's bad. I, 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 I have no I context was, for this, and it's just killing me. Right I was. <laughs> see, I was. I was using my imagination, and it was way worse. I was just thinking random person at Walmart. Oh no! Something happened. I don't. I'm not that trashy. Now turning women straight. Does this is this something that you do? I I think that's probably referring to sex contract girl. Oh, did she turn straight? I mean, she did for a couple interactions. (laughs) (laughs) And then your Twitter likes, Patrick actually went into your Twitter likes. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to know. And your likes were just, it was basically like liking people from the station. So There was nothing bad in there that we saw. Yeah, TJ. Or did you have to clean it up? No, I definitely had to clean it up. (laughs) Yeah, I had like, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I I could tell you that all there. I, I but mean, that's a good story. I mean, those are all great stories. I do enjoy every now and then when somebody will troll me, and I'm like, I bet you've got porn likes in your ear. And like, sure enough, it, it makes for the easiest response of all time. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, you've got God right there, first name in your bio, and you've got a ton of porn likes on Twitter. Oh yeah, I, uh, TJ just texted in married coworker at Walmart. For, <laughs> oh, forgot so, the married part. So, well, that, that does change things yeah, a little just a bit. Wait, were you was she married in 19 or you were 19? She was the married one. Oh boy. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. Texter says, 502-414-1450, Cal might owe Hoagie Bear some money or some peers or something. Mitchell was a gift. I'm telling you, Trey Mitchell is a huge addition for that. Yeah, I mean, especially with, I mean, that was the biggest hole they had in their roster, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because everyone else was either too young or unproven. I'm calling it right now, and I, I hate when people do this, when people will do the – I mean, we'll have people who will text them like, I think we're going to beat UK in basketball this year. I'm like, it's it, it's April 16th. Like, the game is eight months away. Trey Mitchell's going to kill us in the UK-UVL game this year. I'm calling it right now. It's 100% going to happen. Bob Huggins won't stop screwing us, even in solely retirement. The man owned us at Cincinnati, killed us. Like that, we're, it's going to be a closer than expected game, and Trey Mitchell's going to be the difference. He's going to have like twenty-seven points and eleven rebounds and hit a last-second shot or something, and we're going to look back and be like, if this dude just drank a little bit less, <laughs> we would have beaten Kentucky this Honestly, year. Honestly, if you just stopped driving after the fact, he might be all right. Or did a lot of things. Just... <laughs> Texture says uh, we were talking about the we, we do a rewatch series. We did it last summer, and people wanted to bring it back this year, where we yeah, rewatch an, an old that. game, and then we we all discussed it on the show. Texas, the next game that we rewatch should be a basketball game. I want to nominate the 05 Elite 8 game against West Virginia. I'm still not sure how we won that game, and Gus Johnson was on the call. It was lights out. That'd be a good one. I have rewatched that game. I-, I like doing ones that I just have very little 
recollection of the West Virginia game. I've rewatched a couple times. I feel like since one of the drunkest days of my life. I, I I got so drunk watching that game, and then afterwards, going yes, yeah, so I don't remember much other than you know pit snuggle. The thing that I I mostly remember. So we had, I mean, so we beat. That was a Sunday game. We beat. I think it was a Sunday game. Sunday game. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it was Saturday. Regardless, we I was on spring break from college, and I was home. And we after we beat Washington that Thursday or Friday, we all went to Lexington to, to go to our buddies lived in that Royal Lex apartment complex yeah. and just just drink a bunch. <laughs> and I'm with all my U of L like a bunch of my U of L friends are home from from college for spring break, and we're all like like we're we're like we're in the Final Four, like we've done it, we're celebrating, like it's gonna happen. And I drove back home and watched the game with my at my parents' house with my dad and my brothers, and like I go upstairs. In the first, because I just can't take it. Like my dad is sometimes he be, he's a very negative fan, and like I'm I'm already like on my deathbed, and I just I, I can't handle it. So I end up watching the second half, and when we're making our comeback, I'm walking from my parents' room on offensive possessions on the TV to my room for defensive possessions because it's working, and I can't stop doing it. And I'll never forget like the last possession of regulation when you know we, we've tied the game. And that little J.D. Collins, I think was his name for West Virginia, drives the lane. Brandon Jenkins blocks his shot. And we come down. We're racing down with a chance to win it at the buzzer. And Taekwon's got the ball. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, my heart's never felt this feeling. Am I dying? Like, am I about to die? I don't think I've ever felt this way in my entire life. And then the Taekwon shot comes up short, but we win in overtime. It was That was one of the coolest moments of all time. Did you continue running back and forth in overtime? I think I did. Wow. I'm pretty sure I did. And like That's I, dedication. So I'm so superstitious. It was my sophomore year at Dayton, and I'd watched all – because of the the way that spring break worked out, I'd watched all four of the NCAA tournament games at home with my dad. And so when the Final Four rolled around, like, I didn't have a car at college. And I was like, I've got to get my, – my mom My mom drove up that Friday night <laughs> oh my to bring me home so I could watch the, the, the Illinois Jesus. game Saturday, the Final Four game. I was like, I've got to keep – I was like, we yeah. got here because of me. <laughs> I've got to bring us to the, the promise. So, what'd you do for the championship? Well, we lost until <laughs> oh, okay. final four. So, gotcha. I went back to school the next day yeah. and watched the, I watched the championship game in my apartment. My favorite thing there is you're like, I wish it was a game I had better recollection of, and you're going like play by play of what happened. <laughs> I, in the I game. mean, I, that one I, I, I remember a, a solid amount about. It was the I remember I kept expecting them to cool off, and then when Mike Ganzi, I think it was, hit the shot from the logo, I was like, "Well, this is." I, I do. Like, I do remember this that one. Ridiculous. Yeah. And the thing is, I. Somebody reminded me, I'd made the comparison because we were talking about after the U of L women lost to Iowa this year. And I was like, it was like if that West Virginia team had never cooled off from three. Like they just, they kept, Iowa kept hitting, kept hitting, kept hitting. And somebody brought this, like West Virginia didn't ever stop. Like they were 15 yeah. of 21 from three. Yeah. It was an it outrageous going, yeah. <laughs> shooting performance. We just had, I mean, Patino pulled out all the stops yeah. and, and he, he basically made them do anything besides shoot threes. And then you know, Taekwon and Larry O'Bannon gave pretty heroic performances there, which was and Juan Palacios also. If you go back and watch that game, was was really good. As hey, as I'll make I'll make you feel a little better. My only NCAA tournament game I've ever been to uh-huh. was Indiana, North Carolina, and Philadelphia in 2016. Oh. And Carolina went 11 of 12 from three in the first half. <laughs> and the first half Jeez. was unbelievable. My, yeah, I mean, the game was over at halftime. My only game was the uh, Texas A&M. Uh, AC Law. Oh God! Yeah, uh, that's the only game I've ever been to. Yeah, <sighs> only time I've been to Rupp, I think. And I'm like, yeah, I drove all the way down here for this. I've been to some good ones. I've been to a few that we've we've lost to. I was at both the losses in 08 and 09. 
I was at the 2012 loss to Kentucky. Uh, that was yeah, none, none of those were fun. Yeah. But I was in 2013. I was at all the, most of those games. There you go. Uh, speaking of, I saw Earl Clark was was he, he did a Zoom interview with the media after he got announced as the the, the last member of the TBT team, and I mean. I, Rick Bozich asked the question, and he kind of framed his story as, like, winning the TBT wouldn't erase the memory of the 09 loss to Michigan. I'm like, well, no bleep. Like, of, <laughs> course, of course, like, the TBT is great. Like, you know, they, they, they stand to win some nice money, but it's not going, it's not winning a national title or anything like that. And Earl Clark was talking about that game on the thing, just saying, I truly believe we were the best team in college basketball that year. Sometimes things go wrong. Uh, and he, he did get asked the question, is playing this TBT an opportunity to purge the memories of 2009? And he just says straight up, absolutely not. <laughs> we officially dropped the ball. We had everything in our hands at that time, and we just came up short. We were a great team that came up short, and we've got to live with that. This is a whole new experience, a whole new energy. It's a different team, even though we're still representing the name on the front of the jersey, which I thought was a, a good answer. I'm excited for the TBT. I am too. I had a conversation with a coworker this morning, just asking about it, and I was like, you know, these are all the guys that I, I became when I became a Louisville fan – I'm not originally from here, and I, you know, college sports wasn't really a huge thing for me until I got right around high school age. And I mean, these are the guys that kind of turned me into a huge Louisville, Louisville fan. And it's also, I think, one of the best things about some of these guys is they're not not huge stars. They weren't huge recruits. They weren't, you know, but they were like the key. They they played a role on the team. And that was the best thing about Patino's teams for me as a fan is that you didn't have a ton of stars. You had a lot of guys that played their role and played it really well. And you know, it's kind of it's gonna be cool to see some of those guys come back. Uh, I'm also excited to see if Russ Smith can take 70 shots in a game. Oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be great. I'm really excited for that. His The highlights <laughs> that he's had from these these open runs that they've been doing have been, yeah, they, they have me very intrigued because he looks <laughs> like he's finally healthy again, and he is just absolutely destroying these dudes. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you've got you got 12 guys that are all pretty accomplished college players. I, just, I, I, like, I love Dylan Avar. He's kind of the one that you're like, eh, <laughs> didn't play a whole He's a walk-on here. But everybody else was sort of a a big time college player. I'm not sure how the playing time is going to work out. But yeah. like, you know, if if Russ is going, got to let him cook. Like, yeah, sorry, exactly. sorry, everybody else. Like, you're going to have to to just let him go and do his thing. Uh, and that will start in just I think a week from tomorrow yeah. is the first game, July 27th. You know, the cool thing is, you know, you got a guy like Siva and and and, Keurig and and Clark are also playing, and so you know, I think they're going to be in 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 game shape, so to speak. And I think that's the other thing that's really exciting is I think. I think they could be really good because of the fact that those guys are playing competitive ball, um, and you know their talent just didn't go away. Uh, yeah. But then Russ is always just the 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 you know the wild card. I mean, the guy can just take over any game, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, even Earl Clark has been playing. He hasn't stopped playing professionally since he left. He's thirty five now, but he's I mean, he played in the Big Three last year. He was yep. the defensive MVP of that league. He's he's played in Puerto Rico last year. Peyton has. He, he was thought he had retired last season, then he mm-hmm. gets called into duty in the NBL. Kyle Kirk is, is also quietly one of the most accomplished yeah. professional players of the Patino era. He's gone over, they've won the early a couple times. He's played at a very high level consistently for the last uh, 11 years. Like He's going to help you out a lot too. Chris Dow's been a, a big time player from Bellarmine overseas mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, you, you kind of forget how the, the three guys that we're bringing in are not nobodies. Like yeah. Mayo and Pruitt were very good college players that also. Have success overseas, and I think we'll we'll have success in this forum. But I think most people are very. I mean, Shane Bahannon, who knows? Yeah, he, no. right. <laughs> he looks like he's lost a ton of weight. He looked good in the videos that they've, that they've put out. I don't know. Wayne Blackshear has played professionally for for a long time as well, and should be in, in good shape, good form. It's gonna be it's gonna be a whole lot of fun to watch those yeah, guys. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, 
we go on a nice little run because I'm worried that we're going to get all excited. This is a, it's a single elimination tournament. Like yeah. there's no guarantee that you're going to get more than one game with these guys, but hopefully we can take care of Auburn and then see what happens from there. All right, we'll take a break when we come back. Uh, more from you guys on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big Wednesday edition, Mike Rutherford Show. You're on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Mind you guys, again, if you have air conditioning problems this summer, if it gets a little too hot in your house, hit up our guys over at AirServe uh, by calling them at 502-785-8600. AirServe open 24 hours a day, all day, every day, any day. If you have an AC problem, can't sleep through the night, it's 2 a.m., got kids, got pets, they're going to whine a little bit if you can't get that air back on. Call 502-785-8600. They'll come out to your home. They'll fix your problem immediately. They'll get you back to being comfortable in your own home. Uh, I feel like every time Keith, we got Keith Wynn here, uh, deputy editor over at Carter Chronicle. I feel like every time we have him on the show, obviously we talk a lot of football, but we also get some sort of weird-ass local story. <laughs> it's true. We have that now. A Bullet County man has had his home raided. Found there were 40 human skulls and spinal cords that have, were used as decoration. What? <laughs> oh, I have so many questions. James Knott, after an investigation which was started last year, uh, the FBI attained a warrant for his arrest. Court documents show that Knott, 39 years old, purchased human, rela- human remains online using the alias William Burke. Law enforcement viewed Knott's public Facebook page, which included posts about human remains for sale as recently as June 2023. <laughs> he went to the trouble of finding an alias, but then he posted on his own Facebook page <laughs> about sale, selling the remains. A Pennsylvania man, Jeremy Pauley, was selling the human remains, including organs and skin, from his home. Pauley purchased the remains, which included hearts, brains, lungs, and two fetal specimens through Facebook Messenger Jesus. from Candace Chapman, a mortician in Arkansas. Paulie sold and transported with a network of people, including not. The FBI executed a search warrant Tuesday at the home in the 300 block of Love Avenue. Not so lovey. <laughs> not was the only person in the apartment, but when, F- when an FBI agent asked if anyone else was there, he responded, quote, only my dead friends. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't even know there was a market for that sort of thing, and this sounds like a whole big ring. Well, Trevor knows. (laughs) Trevor's had some (laughs) some some issues there. There is his so his uh, his mugshot. He's holding his hand across his chest, like he's saying the pledge of allegiance or something, and looking. This is not going to shock you. Incredibly insane. Like like looks like a, a certified crazy person. During the search of his home, FBI agents found about 40 human skulls, spinal cords femurs, and hip bones. The skulls were decorated and around furniture in the apartment. One of the skulls had a headscarf around it while another was on Knott's bed. 
FBI agents also found an AK-47 with loaded magazines, dummy grenades, yeah. two plates of body armor, and mm-hmm. a loaded 38 special revolver. Yeah, that tracks. Not had previously <laughs> been sentenced to 30 months in prison and three years of supervised release for felony violations, including possession of an unregistered destructive device and possession of a firearm by an unlawful user of marijuana. Didn't know that was a law. Okay. <laughs> If convicted, not could face a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. 10 years? That's <laughs> it? Throw this guy away for... F- I don't want this guy anywhere near me. 50 years. Here's his, his picture. This guy's 39. This guy's my age, pretty much. He's Wait, you and him are the same age? Yeah. He's a little bit older than That's I. wild. I found his picture. Yeah. 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 He looks like he's... 60. Yeah. Well, I mean, you spend too much time with human skulls. It's going to age a guy. He's got a little Tech Kaczynski on well, if you're spending, Very much Tech Kaczynski <laughs> Manson vibe. If you're spending time with skulls and spinal cords, you're also spending time with drugs, I imagine. Imagine walking. I mean, imagine, I, whenever I hear quotes like that, when the FBI walks in, they're like, is anybody else here? And he says, only my dead friends. Oof. I always want to know what the response is. Because like, if I, if that's me, like, I'm trying to be as professional as possible, but I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> can you... Can, can you elaborate? <laughs> uh, I, I I would just I, I want I want the transcript. I want the body cam footage. I want to see what was said after that. So so was it the last time I was on when when it was uh, the the, when the hired for murder? Yeah, plot? yeah. My own the doctor. My yeah, it was your own personal was family. Your, your child pediatrician pediatrician yeah. was hiring people to try to murder her uh, ex husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, Good times. Time. I have not I've not heard a follow up on that story either. I hope it's been. Uh, you know, my wife gave me an update not too long ago, and I can't remember what she told me, but I think she's still just sitting in jail, waiting on her, uh, waiting on her trial. So you found a new pediatrician? Yes, we did. We did. Yes. Speaking, <laughs> it's funny to bring things full circle here a little bit. We mentioned this guy has like a little bit of a Manson vibe. I saw that uh, Leslie Van Houten, the the Manson follower, has been released from prison after serving fifty three years for two murders today. All right, nice. That's that's perfect. Yeah, Trevor had tried to claim that like they they, they all were like dead or something, and we looked it up, and he was. Shockingly, like wrong about every aspect of it. Um, but Leslie Van Houten, I think she's the one who's been the most apologetic over the years. She's the one who kind of seemed in the in the specials. And it's been a while since I've seen anything on this, but like I do remember her seeming like she was a she seemed normal, like, yeah. like a, as an adult, very much was like I I was brainwashed as a seventeen year old. Yeah, like I I feel terrible. This this sucks. I, obviously, I should be in jail. I'm not trying to argue, but she is apparently out after fifty seven years in jail. 53 years. Jeez. It's a long time. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty close to that. Well, when you when you play a role in a double murder, that's yeah. typically what's going to happen. Or if you have skulls just hanging around your apartment, you're going you're, you're gonna to get in trouble. <laughs> Shouts shout to all the news stories. If you have a weird-ass news story, hit us up on the text line, 502-414-1450. Um, I was going to ask you, the outside of TJ Capers, the big talk about UVO football this week has been the reaction to the the theme games. UofL doing a blackout on home game one for Murray State on a Thursday night. Your thoughts? I mean, it, I think, I, I guess I, I with so many options this year, I mean, I know, you know, they have a full slate. Um, it would have been nice for them to do it later in the year as well, but also like for a game that was more likely to be a big night game. Um, you know, maybe the Notre Dame game, something like that, but. I, I guess for me it's hard it's hard for me because also I don't go to games anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I've I've I haven't been I've only been a few games over the last probably ten years or so. Um so I don't get as much into it. But I do think with all of the excitement coming coming back this year with fans with the season tickets, you know, where they are and things like that, 
I think that atmosphere is going to be a whole different story than what it's been for the last, what, six years or so, um, where, you know, it's going to be more like that Florida State game and, and, and you know, Lamar's big game. That was going to be more the norm, I think. Um, so it, it would be nice. It would have been nice if they picked a different game. But I do know that one thing that, that they struggle with and one thing that everyone struggles with is no matter what game they pick, they have no clue what it's going to end up being from a yeah. standpoint of, like, what time of day and what the, what the weather's going to be like, all that stuff. So I kind of give them a, a break because I think it was either last year or the year before they had one of these big thing games that ended up being like a 12, 12 o'clock game and fans started complaining and things like that. And I remember Lottie Stockwell was like, you know, guys, we planned this out months ahead of time. Right. And we really can't uh, do much about what kind of happens outside of their control. So, you know, but it would have been nice. Let's be honest. I, I think yeah, the, the reason why you do it is because, like you said, it's the it's one of the only two games that you know are going to be night games. That and the, the Virginia game. Yeah. which And they have this new, which I do think sounds cool, the glow game. Is going to happen for Virginia where they're right. wearing like this can be all these sort of like LED like light things That's happening throughout cool. the game. They're yeah. going to wear these like glow uniforms, which should be cool. So they they already had that in place. I'm sure that's a deal that they're doing in concert with Adidas and some some mm-hmm. other people. So you've got that in place. And the only other time that you know you can do uh, you've got a night game where you know you don't want to do a blackout at noon is the Murray State game. And so you say, well, it's it's Jeff Brom's first game back. The excitement should be high yeah. as long as they don't lose to Georgia Tech in week one. So we're going to go ahead and do it. Now, bl- wearing black and on you know the, the second week of the season when it's still presumably going to be pretty hot is also yeah. a little <laughs> bit of an issue. But I I do get why you, you do it. And it seems like they purposely left the the promotions for the Notre Dame game light in, just in case like there's something crazy. Like, you know, you don't want to have a promotion on the same day where – College game days in town, yeah. and it's, you know, it's it's a seven o'clock kickoff, and it's it's you know if it winds up being best case scenario, you kind of want to have that open to be able to to do different cool things with uh, that aren't going to get overshadowed. Uh, unlike Kim Schatzel, a, a kickoff appreciation inauguration <laughs> game, which is I think the, th- the third game, I was like, okay, well, this is this, we could <laughs> we're going a little light after the the blackout. It's fine. It's going to be okay. But I, I'm I'm more or less okay with it. Yeah. It's, Primarily because it's just not that big of a deal regardless. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a little bit of nostalgia that plays into the blackout with the West Virginia game, you know, was that 2006 or whatever. And, you know, I get it. Um, you know, I was at that game. It's it's one of the more, you know, from a memory standpoint, you know, of my, my Louisville football memories, it's one of those that are up there. Um, but, I mean, it's – you kind of have to have it all – everything has to play out perfectly for you to have a really big theme game. And really it comes down to who you're playing – how the season's going, and that was a perfect, like perfect storm, yeah. you know. And and but how rare is that, you know? That's you, that, that that works out. So um, it probably gets overblown, but at the same time, I get I can understand where you know people, you know, a little frustration comes in. I guess I do remember two years later, Crackthorpe trying to do it in in for a noon like freezing game against West Virginia when we don't like the season was already lost. I think it was the last game of the year, and we're sitting there and it's like you know it's like twenty five percent people wearing black, and I'm like this just sucks. <laughs> I'm like I'm like let's never don't try to do this again ever. Right. The blackouts during the day just they, they don't yeah. it just does not they can work. backfire on you. It's yeah, and, and we've had some kind of crappy blackout games in recent years. We've had some some pretty good ones yeah. in recent years. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty Thornton Sex Line. I'll take a couple of texts here. Texter says. He could be pulling a, um, I guess this is a reference to Reuben Owens. He could be pulling a Dennis Smith Jr. Take the bag at Texas A&M for a year and then transfers to Louisville for two years and gets drafted as a card. I'd lo- that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be it. awesome. Wouldn't complain. Steam out of some money. <laughs> Texture says, we as Louisville football fans need to embrace high expectations. Shying away from it is defeatist. To achieve 
you must believe. It's, it, it's weird because I think now, and look, this is, it's summer. We're looking for stuff to talk about here. Like Louisville is getting some hype as far as, you know, they, they could be a 9-10 win team. Like this is a, a sleeper contender in the ACC. Louisville's also probably not going to be a preseason top 25 team. Yeah. So it's not like the, the whole nation is like we view them very clearly as one of the 25 best teams in the country. So it's it's strange to hear people, you know, the, the, you know they've got to win this amount of games or, you know, 8-4 and four is a disaster season or, or whatever. Like we just uh, – I mean, the expectations are on one hand to be kind of an overachiever, to be sort of a sleeper contender, but on the other – like no one's going out there and actually picking Louisville to win the ACC, or no one's right. going out there and saying this should be a preseason top fifteen team. It's primarily based on the schedule and the injection of life that a new head coach is, is presumably going to bring. Well, I think there's a fine line between making sure you know you got what's the potential and what's the expectation. And I think that there's a potential for them to be for this, that, or the other. But the expectation, I don't know that anybody should come in expecting Jeff Brown to win ten games. You know, in his first year, you know. Is there a potential that he could? Uh, yeah, but I, I, you know, I think that setting an expectation that they should at least hold serve and and not backtrack. I, I think that's just in general. I mean, you just even if you throw out the schedule, Louisville has improved and you know didn't you know, obviously came from pretty pretty bad spot, but Louisville's trending upwards. And you hire a new coach, you know, after you essentially let the last guy go because you want this coach. I think it would be kind of. I think it. I think it would be silly not to expect them to at least stay the same in year one. I think if they backtracked, it's like, okay, this looks, this is bad in a lot of different ways because, Hey, you know, we didn't like the last guy and the new guy comes in yeah. and, you know, does worse. But, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between the, the potential of this Louisville team uh, in 2023 and the expectations that should be set. Um, because obviously to get to the point where you're winning, you, I can't imagine expecting setting an expectation for Jeff Brown to do something that Louisville's never done, which is win 10 games in the ACC. I think that's unfair. You know, that that would be kind of ridiculous. But there's the potential that that could happen. And and being able to – I do think that people – I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, I can see it happening. Um, but to expect it and say, hey, that should be the standard, that's just – that's impossible. I mean, you're setting an impossible standard for a brand-new coach for something that we have not seen happen yet. And I just – I think that's just silly. I feel like the only thing that I – because when the, the, the topic of expectations and where the bar should be comes up every summer – Invariably, you're gonna have a ton of different answers. I mean, last year was was you know, where should how many Satterfield need to win to keep his job or to, to make the fan base happy? It was a ongoing. We felt like we talked about it every single day. Yeah. The one thing that I, I've gotten the sense that that every U of L fan is, is in agreement on when it comes to Jeff Brom's first season is that six and six, like you said, a regression from last year would be a disappointment. Like mm-hmm. like you know, you go to I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's Plumber gets hurt or some guys just aren't as good as we thought they were going to be or the schedule is better than we thought it was going to be. If you win fewer games than you won last year in the regular season, with a, like you said, like a guy that, that most people were ready to push out the door for most of the season, that's a disappointment. Yeah, he needs to do better than that. Seven and five, I think you're going to see, you'll, you'll see debate. Like there will yeah. be somebody, who, some people who say, well, it was it was fine for whatever reason, and some people who are like, it's a massive disappointment. We didn't hit the over under, all that stuff. Eight and four, I think for the most part, people are going to be like, okay, yeah, like again, it depends on. It matters who you beat and who you lost to in that equation. If it's eight and four and you end it with a win over Kentucky, I think people are going to be like, God, "Yeah, that'd cool. be, yeah, this is this is good. I can see things getting better." I think anything better than eight and four, and people are going to be understandably excited. Yeah. I feel like that's where people are like, nine and three is good. 
obviously 10 and two is, is, is fantastic. Anything more is unreal. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we had this conversation we were on with uh state of Louisville guys, you know, on a, on a, on a uh, podcast a couple of years ago about, you know, I think it was Satterfield's what second year. And it was like, you know, what happens if he wins, you know, X amount, I want to say it was like 10 wins. And, and both of us agreed. It was like, yeah, that's, that's outstanding. Like yeah. you, you, you know, you give him a new contract, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I stress this a lot because I think that uh, context matters. And, and, you know, you look at what Louisville's done during their time in the ACC, and it's just really not as impressive as it really seems like on paper. I mean, you're talking about, I believe, before last year, what was it, one ranked win, uh, the Florida That's State nuts. win. Uh, and, you know, and last year, I know that the record was the record, but you throw in they had more wins than anybody over teams with seven wins other than Georgia, had two ranked wins, and, you know, and, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, with, in the context of what Louisville has been in the ACC, you know, they kind of reached a different level last year, even though, the, of course, the Boston College loss is just still, to this day, just annoys the hell out of me. But you throw in the other context, and it was really an impressive year. This year, is a, is this, with the schedule the way it is, at least now knowing what we know, there's this that potential to be like, okay, throw context out the window. You know, the record has that potential to be something we haven't seen, and I don't care who they beat. If it's if they're good or not, if you can get to ten or eleven wins, yeah, it's just like man, this is something that we haven't done. So you know, and I think the other thing with Jeff Brom is the fact that I do think there's the potential with the talent that he has and the guys that he has that we can see those types of wins with some really impressive individual performances where you also have the postseason accolades and things like that, which we just have not no. seen since Lamar and before that, you know, Gerard Holloman, so on and so forth. You know, if you can see some of those things too, I think that's where you really turn the turn. You know, the the table around with Louisville to the point where it's like, okay, it's not just hey, how many wins do you have? It's talking. It's getting national recognition. It's having individual players become stars. And I've talked about this before. There's just not a lot of those guys in Louisville football recently where you can just latch on to this star power and being able to have that. I think there's some potential for that. I think that's the big thing of where Jeff can take this to a different level. Uh, even if it is nine wins and it's just a marginal increase, how he can how he does it is a big factor. And I think that was a huge issue for a lot of fans with Scott Satterfield. It didn't matter how many games he would win. It was about how he did it. And I think same thing with Charlie Strong. It didn't matter how many people just didn't like the style of football. Um, and, I, you know, that's, you know, to, to, to up to different people, everybody has their own thing. The most exciting thing for a lot of people that, that I talk to is that people are just excited for the style of play changing. Um and, you know, that's he just has a unique opportunity to do something that I don't think we've seen in a while here. And the big wins. I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head talking about just the lack of pop yeah. with, with Satterfield. Because it's not like he's the first coach in the modern history, if you want to say the modern history of global football starts with, let's say, Howard, mm-hmm. where it's been so clear about where the fan base stands with him and where they should stand with him. Like every other coach we've had has either been – He's so good. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Or he's terrible. Kick his ass to the curb. <laughs> yeah. Satterfield was the first guy that came in and he was like, well, you know, it's, it's not it's not bad, yeah. but it's not where we want it to be. And, and I think a big part of that was, one, he got not just beaten by his arch rival a bunch. He dominated, like yeah. thoroughly dominated four, four times in five years. Yeah. Or I guess four times in, in all, three years. Three times in four years. Because we only played them three times. Yeah. We, had the, we didn't play them in 2020. Mm-hmm. To like, like just not having those marquee victories, not taking advantage of a couple of opportunities against Clemson or a couple of the big non-conference games where we played, we just didn't show up in. Yeah. 
And it just it kind of felt like we got in this this rotation of we would win the games we're supposed to win, and then we'd lose the games we're supposed to lose, and a lot of times convincingly. And like you said, the the lack of star power. And we had been spoiled the last two decades with a couple of just fantastic seasons, yeah. top ten finishes in 04 and 06, um, 11 win season, or 12 win season in 2013, 11 win season the year before in 2012. Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, Jair Alexander, like all these just superstars that are are just so fun to follow. And you just didn't really have that yeah. in, in the Satterfield era. And and there wasn't enough to kind of, I think, get over the hump. And maybe it would have happened if we, he'd stayed here for a few more years, but it just it didn't feel like we were on that trajectory. And it's and it's not to knock the guys that, that have played here because we they've been very good players. And and some guys, at least for me, you know, Yusir Abdullah is going to always be one of my favorite players in UFO history. I love watching that guy play. It's not to knock that at all. It's just that, you know, first off, there's there's always specific positions that get a little bit more, you know, play. You know, like Makai Becton was a fun guy to watch and a huge star and, and mm-hmm. ended up going really high in the draft, but he's a left tackle. You know, like that's just not really the type of position where that star power, you know, like you, you latch onto it. But I think that's a factor. But I just think that just in general, it just he – I think that first year, the buy-in was all there from the fan base. And I think that – you know, he just he he just completely killed himself with with his own by his own actions and whatnot. But I do think that there was still just a lack of really getting the players out there in front of cameras and being more open with fan with the fans and whatnot. And and some of that was COVID, and I get that. But I do think that he is just like a perfect storm of just bad for Scott Satterfield. Yeah. And to your point, maybe if a few more years with with the way last year went, maybe they keep trending upwards. Um, but I do think that it was just kind of a – it just was never really meant to be. Uh, it just didn't really work out. And it kind of – you know, everybody won in this whole situation. You know, he got to move on. Louisville got who they wanted. Uh, Cincinnati fans, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, you know, but, but you know, I, I do think that, Jeff, like I said, it's just a unique spot to be able to come in here and potentially do more than just win games. Uh, I think there's a really an opportunity to change the way Louisville – the perception – from a national and regional standpoint, it's not like Louisville has a bad perception, but they're just overlooked, in my opinion. And I think he has an opportunity to bring people, bring eyeballs. And that's what we're seeing this summer. All these, all the procrastinations are because of the fact, procrastinations, <laughs> all that we is coming it. from uh, from the fact that Jeff Brom is, he has a, a play, a, a style of coaching, and he has a history of having these big wins and big moments, and people know his name. His name is attached to that to those things, and therefore Louisville is now attached to Jeff Brom and those things too. All right, we got one more hour left. Uh, more of this. We'll, t- we'll talk some more football with Keith Wynn. We'll also talk more uh, with you guys on the Thornton Stacks line. Keep it locked right here. Final hour coming up next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X.
Come on, Mike. <laughs> Come on. This is definitely Trevor. I'm not picking music this week. I'm already covering for him, so I'm I'm not doing any more work than I have to. I only asked because I know Patrick was doing it yesterday. On his Patrick own. likes doing it, and, and I do too sometimes, but I don't know. I just don't want to put any music together this week. This did sound, right when I heard it, I was like, there's no way Scoots played this song. This, this <laughs> I've is, played this, that song before. This is very, it felt very Trevor. Though. Yeah, it's had sure. a, This whole day has felt has very Trevor. It's had a very TK <laughs> feel to it. it I it's, couldn't tell you what the theme is. I wish I could tell you, but it's. I don't, it, he doesn't have a theme. Probably not. He just themes once every like three weeks. Now. Oh, okay. He stopped trying a long time ago. It's when fun. you when you stop noticing, pretty much. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. At hurt his hurt his feelings. He was like, I'm not putting much effort in. I always ask, and usually he's like, Yeah, it's just it's GK faves. That's it's, it's fine. Uh, it is the five o'clock hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show, Wednesday edition on fourteen fifty ninety six one. The Big X reminder: if you miss any of the show, you can always find it outside of yesterday's show on podcast uh, by searching fourteen fifty The Big X wherever you get your podcast. You should find Mike Rutherford Show episodes. You should find Spears on Sports episodes and also Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Yesterday, we did have to acknowledge the issues. We did have poor young Patrick Ryan, unfortunately, taped over the first hour with the second hour. I say taped over. I don't think he <laughs> Patrick he, would, would have no idea what that means. Yeah. He recorded over the first <laughs> right. hour with the second hour. What's so uh, it, it did. <laughs> yesterday's podcast only includes hours two and three. But uh, we'll be back to, to normal. You know, it's funny you say taped over because I was thinking for that last song, Shoop, I used to have that song. I remember being a kid and that coming on the radio and well, I was waiting for it and just hitting that record on the tape cassette. Kids won't understand. Nope. Yeah. Mary, nope. Uh, my wife always tells the story about how she was, and this will surprise nobody who knows her, including Keith, that she was very into Titanic when it came out. <laughs> when we were in like 7th or 8th grade, whenever that was, 98, 99. And so she was also very into the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. And she was like desperate to tape the video when it came on. And so she found, one day MTV or VH1 or whatever, it starts, she grabs the quickest tape she can find, puts it in there, records Celine Dion. It tapes over her two younger sisters' dance recitals. (laughs) And it was one of those where like you had to tape the entire thing. And so it's two hours, like your kids are only performing for 15 minutes. It taped over just the parts where they were actually on there. She's like, it was probably the most trouble I got into like before I got started, like before I got into high school. Like it was bad. But kids don't understand the struggle from back in the day. No. You couldn't just rewatch whatever you wanted to. I explained what a DVD DVD was to uh, Olivia well back and. It just—I'll never forget that. She's just like, I don't get it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even DVDs, like mm-hmm. DVDs weren't—it's still the new wave. Yeah, I mean, that was less than ten years ago. <laughs> Goodness, I mean, I still—I—I I, I do still find myself. It's one of the oldest things about me. When I want to watch something, I'll say like, you know, if we have to record something, I'll be like, make sure we we still tape that. Like, I, I'll, I'll, still, I'll still say that about like, did you tape the game? Did you record the game? Like, I—I've—I I've, find myself. Finally, shifting more into like make sure we record the show, mm-hmm. but I still every now and then will be like, we got to tape that, you know. But uh. then you run into instances where so it's good to have DVDs on deck just because me and my roommate not too long ago we lost internet. I guess somebody had knocked down our internet wire, so we went like a day and a half without internet. So we were just watching DVDs, couldn't mm-hmm. watch any streaming services, couldn't like play online gaming or anything. It was pretty wild. Well, now, don't you and your roommate act out TV scenes? Can you just no, done that's, that together? That's me. That's just, it's just I, I, yeah. I'm the uh, I do the DUI things when they when I'm watching on patrol. <laughs> that, that's what. Yeah, we, yeah. We never got clarity on that story. Karis, he just threw it out there. They they implied they made it seem like it was you and your roommate acting out famous TV. Oh, scenes you know what it was? It was um, 
I want to say it was, remember when that Kentucky player went in the crowd at the Florida game? Yes. I want to say that's what it was that we reenacted because I wanted to see like how that all actually – no, that wasn't it. I can't remember what it was, but we did reenact like a sports play because I wanted to see like if that actually could have happened like the way it did. The implication from them was that you and your buddy are sitting around on like Wednesday nights – reenacting scenes from the wire being like where's the boy scoots where's where's the boy i mean me and my roommate are weird individuals so it's it, you all always talk about getting the youtube cameras up in there me and him have said for a while if we had cameras in our apartment we could make some money because it's just it's such high comedy mo- mo- more happen. times than not I, I mean i've said the youtube cameras which are coming next week we'll have them up there uh <laughs> shortly the a, a live stream of trevor's house too Oh, it's that would be boring though. See, are you familiar with the, the the film Grey Gardens? No, it's a documentary from back in I want to say like the seventies, the the eighties, which followed basically Big Edie and Little Edie. It, it's a very wealthy, extremely old woman and her daughter who just you know, failure to launch. Is still she's living at home and she's like like the daughter's like in her. 60s, I want to say. The, is this where the Smokey and the Bandit characters came from? I don't think so. <laughs> Big and Little Enos? No, nah, I don't think that's what it is. But like the mom is like late 80s. Like they're, they're, and they're very, it's just like this very dysfunctional relationship. And they're still stuck in like, like this, these disillusions of what life is. And I feel like Trevor and, and Nancy, they're living around. From what I hear at Kelsey Manor, could very much be like the Grey Gardens for a new era. I want to see. I, I think that they have some fascinating. Stories. I bet they don't communicate much. Well, Trevor does. I think he just yells at his mom a lot. Okay, yeah, from from the <laughs> other room. Yeah, mom, mom. <laughs> we did have the question of who is. Somebody texted in one time. Who's who had recently who had gotten uh, lucky most recently at Kelsey Manor, Trevor or his mom? And he unfortunately had to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which was one of, That's the, fantastic. one of the high points of the show. Oh, my God. Very little, I think, embarrasses Trevor, and that was the one where he had to be like, it's, it's, it's my mom. <laughs> Sad I missed that. It was, it was a great moment. It was a seminal moment for the show. Uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody more unapologetically himself than Trevor. That's, that's why we love him. him. Dude. That's why you can't, like, I was talking with TJ at the um, – I ran into him at the the Lord's picnic a, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about Trevor and just like our various interactions with him. Like you can, you can't get mad at him ever. It's just like he's just he's Trevor because he's Trevor. Yeah. I was like, it's no, there's no other way to explain it. Uh, we've five zero two four one four forty three is the Thornton's tax line. It's the last hour. We'll get a little loose. We'll let you guys uh, take the reins here. We talked TJ Capers. We talked some Louisville football recruiting. We talked about Jack Plummer. We discussed the schedule. All sorts of football topics today with Keith being in here. We also discussed the UofL women taking care of business in their Global Jam debut today against Puerto Rico, a 23-point win. Uh, they still have got uh, three games left, two games in pool play, and then the either the bronze or the gold medal game. The setup is weird for this thing because it, it's just four teams. You play three That's games, weird. and then two of them play in the gold medal game and two of them play in the bronze medal game. So it's just it, it's, it's a strange thing. Uh, but the UofL women will be back in action. So it'd next. be record-based, right? Right. Like if yeah. you go – if you go three and zero, you're going to probably play the, the two and one. But you'll be playing somebody you've already played, yeah. Regardless, so I, I guess theoretically you could have a situation where it's like three and zero, and then the other three teams finish one and two, and all there had to be some sort of tiebreaker there. Speaking of, and this is I promise this is the last time I'm going to bring up the All Star game. I didn't know this until after the All Star game was over, and if I'd known, I'd have been rooting for something else. But so famously, we had the the game that ended in a tie back in the day with Bud mm-hmm. Selig. And then I was at baseball camp that year. Oh, you were? Fun fact, actually, yeah, because we were uh, we were up late late watching the game, 
and we had to go to bed because it was so late at night. We had to wake up early in the morning and do baseball drills. No bedtime. Baseball and camp. one of the kids woke up and asked. He was like, "Who won the game?" And I was just completely joking around. I was like, "They tied. Shut up." <laughs> and we woke up, went to breakfast, turned on the TV, and sure enough, they, they tied. They tied. I'll never forget that. And then MLB overcorrected a little bit, I think, by doing the whole like. Well, it's like you didn't like the tie. Whoever wins gets to host the World <laughs> Series, and people were like, "Well, that's okay. We just don't want a tie. We don't. We don't. We don't need that to happen." So they did that for a while, and then they they got rid of that a few years ago. And so I don't know. Like this was not. I don't think it was well known because when I saw that the tweet got posted, I had to look it up myself to make sure that it was a real thing. And everybody else seemed to be in the same boat. If last night's game had ended in a tie through nine innings, they would have had a home run derby off. Yeah, they would have really? picked. Three players from both teams, they would have gotten five swings each, or three swings each, and the team that finished with the most total home runs would have won the game, which I would have liked to have seen. That. Yeah, that would have been for really sure. Cool, actually, yeah. That, like, I was kind of rooting for. I, I did. I, I was like, yeah, let's just get this game over with. Like three two. Like what? Uh, looking back, I would have been like, all right, let's get a run, man. Yeah. Like, let's make this happen. <laughs> I want to see this home run derby off for the that win. Was, that's a that's a smart way to end the game. Like you know, like like penalty shots. Like I like them, but I know a lot of soccer fans don't like them because it kind of feels like you're cheapening. The rest of the game, but a home run derby at the end of a game is a really good way of, of ending one. That's That'd be awesome. like the equivalent of a basketball game. You just have a free throw shooting contest. Yeah, either that or a, or a three, but a three lot point more shooting yeah. contest, half court shooting contest. Yeah, yeah. ooh, that would be actually, a blast. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. I'd watch a half court shooting contest. Yeah, yeah. I would too. Yeah, the actually, thing is, just keep it going further and further back <laughs> until you get to the other baseline and see. Yeah, yeah, just go there. The thing is, I, I know diehard soccer fans they look down at penalty kicks because it, it is a it is a crappy way to crown a winner after, you know, like basically three hours of deadlock competition. Right. Yeah. It, it comes down to a lot of you know, just guessing. Like, you know, good goalies help, but at the end, you're pretty you're much guessing. guessing yeah. And you need guys to just miss. Let's not act like it's not exciting as hell, though. Like, If you have no rooting interest, if I'm watching a World Cup game that I don't care about, like I'm rooting for penalty kicks every time because yeah. it's <laughs> insanely cool. Like, And I, I think that diehard soccer fans are, if they're if they're honest with themselves, they're rooting for it too. Because yeah. it's yeah. great. It's I incredible mean, theater. The, There's one the other night with the Team USA. And yeah. I stayed up, you know, really needed to get to bed, but I was like, I, you know, kind of watching and I, was, I stayed up and I was like, man, I'm, I'm getting excited. Just, you know, and it's not, it's a kind of a meaningless tournament, but it was still pretty cool. See, I complained about this on Monday with Scoots. I was like, uh, every time I text my soccer friends, if I'm watching, they're like, eh, this team's not trying. And I'm, like, I'm like, do they ever try in soccer? Is there ever a game where they, he's like, this is USA's C team, this is Canada's B team. I'm like, it's a quarterfinal for a gold cup. It is really funny because genuine soccer people, they just blow off these games. I'm like, they I know. They blow off like, everything. It's, it's really, it is. It's it's always that way. And I'm like, I, you guys ever get excited about anything? It's very, it's funny you say that. I love it. Well, like, we'll beat Argentina or something. And they're like, well, Argentina wasn't trying. I'm like, can we get a game where both teams are trying? Like, how does this never, they play one meaningful game a year, according to soccer fans. Like, well, yeah, they didn't have this guy because he's on vacation. I'm like, what? what is this? This is just, it's like the biggest sport in the world. Yeah, I did great. see Pulisic going to AC Milan. Yeah, he did. We talked. I think we talked about that last yeah, week. Him, uh, him, him leaving Chelsea and go and because Trevor had actually heard of AC Milan, which I was impressed. Wow. By. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was impressed by. It's rare. And then we, you and I talked about Matt Turner, who was somehow second team All Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference yeah. his senior yeah. year of college, and now he's plays for Arsenal. I'm like, he has, I don't know if you've seen the the terrible YouTube video of him that where he, uh, God, now I'm just. I think he threw it off the top of the, uh, the 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 goal. Uh, it's just a real blunder thing. I've got to show I don't know you. That was him. It's what I can't even describe it, but it's it's like a renowned like soccer blooper, and it's Matt Turner. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's from uh, I want to say it was when he was in high school. 
my favorite because uh, that's great. I love his quote too that we talked about on Monday. Where like his his English teammates talking about how he's the funniest guy on the team because of his Americanisms. He's like, it's a dogfight out there, bro. It's a dogfight, <laughs> which makes me laugh. But the greatest soccer blooper of all time is, and I, I've probably told this story on the radio before, but but Danny, who you've met, who I do the podcast with, yeah, who now lives in Columbus, like his. So his wife is from Columbus, and when she was at UK, she dated like the the UK men's soccer goalkeeper. And he ended up getting drafted by the Columbus crew and was on this team. And so for a couple of years, Danny lived in Louisville after college and she lived in Columbus. They maintained the relationship. Finally, she ended up moving to Louisville. But while she was in Columbus, this guy who now was with the crew would text her knowing that she had a boyfriend and still be like, hey, like, would love to take you out sometime, like all this stuff. And she, she let Danny know that this was happening. And so Danny, of course, hates this guy. That same, like, like a week after she tells him that this, this dude is still kind of pursuing her, he, and you can Google this, if you just type in on YouTube, goalie scores on other goalie, MLS, he got scored on by the, the goalkeeper, kicks it from all, the entire other end of the field on a goal kick. It bounces, bounces over his head. The guy's name, I think, is like Andy Grandenbaum. And oh, is this the one where he's like backing up and falls down? He's back. Yeah, I think he, I've he, seen it this It bounces one. over yeah. his head, and like the announcer is like, an absolute catastrophe for Grandenbaum. <laughs> and Danny's like, I, Danny's like, I mean, I'm. I'm erect right now. This is this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I, I was like, I sent this to Cam like, hey, did you see this? Your boy got scored on by a goalie last night. Uh, suck it. So that was. <laughs> so yeah, we don't like that guy. Oh, that's great. It's fine. Uh, Thornton sex line five zero two four one four forty fifty. A lot of people just rewarding Scoots for uh, for getting the stream to work for doing something that Trevor's done twice in twelve years, <laughs> which is wonderful. Texture says whenever Scoots is on. I'm reminded of the hilarious moment when a texter said that he had a molester Kermit voice. <laughs> Please tell me that you guys remember that. I remember that. I remember Kermit. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, they said I sounded like a child molester Kermit the Frog. I can't unhear it now. <laughs> I, get, I get Marvin the Martian a lot too, Keith. I get Marvin the Martian. I mean, I don't. Kermit is way more exaggerated than your voice. I, I agree. I don't, and I, and also the, the, the molester part's unnecessary. Exactly. How, how, yeah. can you, how can you? It was more of just like a grown Kermit. Like that was where I was going. <laughs> like that's like throwing that in. It just really just. He's just got a half-ass mustache. Just <laughs> maybe some human skulls in his apartment. I don't know. He's with his dead friends. Oh God. Texture says, Keith, are you on threads? I learned my lesson on Twitter when you blocked me, I promise. <laughs> Every time you're on the show, it's just people saying you blocked me on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you I gotten on, on threads yet? I am on threads. I, I have not committed fully to it, though, because um, I don't want to be on the, threads. The timeline is just so many people I don't, I don't follow yeah. or people replying to other people I don't follow. And, and it's random. Like one, sometimes I'll log in. It's just nothing with people people I don't follow. And then I'll come back on. And it's nothing but people I do follow. But they're all just replying to other people. And it, I think you know, long term, it's what Twitter used to be and kind of you know, kind of cool. But they've got to work out the kinks before I fully commit. Yeah, I've I've checked like four times. I feel like, and it is fun to like scroll. But it's not like it's not useful for me. Yeah. I'm using Twitter for news primarily. Every now and then, I want to see some funny stuff. But and like Threads is just a lot of you know, just people. Well, the other thing for me also is it's the people I follow on Instagram, which is totally different for me than same. Like I I follow accounts on Instagram that I'm like, you know, funny stuff that I, you know, memes and things like that that I might be interested in or videos. And I'm like, I don't really want to see this when I'm when I'm scrolling. Like this is like it's different. You know, I have three different sites, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for three different kind of uses. And, you know, I don't really didn't really work for me. So I'm I'm the same. We'll see. 
like, I don't I don't think anybody really wants to use threads. Nobody wants to go to these other sites. We want we just want Elon to get it together and like yeah. make Twitter like how it used to be, or at least functional or feel good that it's going to stick around for the long term. Once he broke TweetDeck, I was like, this is over for me. I yeah. just can't. I, I've I always used TweetDeck, and I don't know how to. I don't. I once I got once TweetBot was gone, I had to use the regular Twitter app. I was like, this is just awful. It's, I just yeah. I'm so used to how you know Twitter is how you use it and how you go about it, and when you have to change that. It's just not really good. So. Once you get comfortable, yeah, like you want to you, you want to keep it that way, and it's just I mean I don't I don't want to learn any new app. Like I haven't gotten on TikTok. <laughs> if, if there's a if there's a cool talk that's out there, somebody will send it to me, or it'll show up on one of the other social media apps that will yeah. just like you know copy and paste it. Like I just I don't I don't want I don't want to do it. I last like two hours on TikTok, and I was like, no, this isn't for me. So yeah, no. I can see me being into it, but it's just time. It's like it's like me getting lost on the Instagram reels. Like yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's been 45 minutes. So I'm just watching <laughs> mindless reels before I've gone to sleep when I should be doing something productive, like yeah, sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, like, like sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Texture says, Mike, I'm a huge Louisville fan, but I just watched the UK Global game. Man, they may end up with the best backcourt in the country. DJ is a different man. Is different man. I hate to say it. Damn. Somebody's first text. I don't know if that's legitimate. I could be angry guy just trying to. <laughs> They did look good today, though, but I'm not going to draw too much from a exhibition game, essentially. I think Kentucky's biggest issues are always going to be their biggest issues. It's that Calipari doesn't always do a good job of getting shooters. And you were they didn't too shoot much it on great early today. I know that. I don't know how the second half went. But well, I, mean, I think the other thing is even when he's gotten shooters in, it's it's almost like the, the Patino curse of, you know, this is the best shooter I've ever had. And it's like, yeah, yeah, these guys don't shoot that well. So. I think that's always going to be their biggest concern, and I, that's the, that's why I have a hard time with, like, yeah, I think their backcourt's going to be great. I've, I've watched both those guys play, and I think they're really special talents, but I just think that when you when you can't – when you don't have knockdown shooters in today's game, I think it's hard to really have a great season. They're also really young. Yeah. And, again, you don't want to go too much off of recent precedents, but – Freshmen just aren't impacting the game the, the way that they used to. And they're going to play much better experienced backcourts throughout the SEC and throughout their, their, their non-conference. Like, I think DJ Wagner will be a fantastic pro. I think Rob Dillingham could be a fantastic pro. As far as them being good enough to get to a Final Four winning a national title this year, you're, after the last couple of years where freshman-laden teams have just flopped in the NCAA tournament, even the good ones, you're going to kind of have to see it to believe it. I think I always wonder if it's just the grind of the season – just being really hard to adjust to in such a short amount of time, right? I mean, you know, I think these guys kind of ebb and flow through the season more than it felt like they used to. This didn't seem – seems maybe a newer thing. But when freshman teams were playing really well or, or specifically just freshmen, you know, maybe one or two freshmen on a team, some of those teams that had one of those, like Carmelo Anthony and things like that, yeah. I just don't feel like the – I think it's just changed where the grind of the season seems to be when the tournament hits – these guys just kind of flail off because of the fact that they're just worn down. Uh, and that's that's just a theory, I guess, because I can't really see – I don't think that the game – I don't think that the other talent is, you know, the, the gap isn't as wide. I just think that at some point, you know, either it's kind of having time to figure them out to a certain degree or just that, hey, these guys can't last an entire season. And I think that's also – you don't see too many rookies in the NBA really taking over like we've maybe seen in the past as well. The other thing that you hear from from coaches sometimes when they talk about this is 
when you get deeper into the season and the games matter the most, you also have guys who start realizing, hey, the NBA draft's in like three months. Yeah. Like, I, I've got to get my affairs in order. Like, I want to do this. I'm talking to this guy. I'm talking to the like, teams are reaching out now more than they were back in the day. It's a, it's a distraction. And like, there's just a lot more going on with freshmen now than there used to be. And it's, it's not hurting their draft stock because, I mean, you saw, I mean, even me, somebody who like follows college basketball very closely, writes about it still uh, on a freelance basis. When I'm watching the draft, there were a lot of guys this year that I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's that guy. I, I kind of forgotten about him. He put up decent numbers at Central Florida, but wasn't really on my radar as a national player because right. he wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, Texter says, Trevor would remind you if, you, if, if he were here, heavy users get lots of promo codes. I think that's is – that, is that a DoorDash reference? Has to be. You can be a – a member. I mean, you can sign up for like a DoorDash account. Yeah. I would hope he has one. If not, yeah. he's wasting time. He has one because I have one and I don't even use it. Yeah. I mean, when I used to order for lunch, I used to, yeah, it's like $10 a month. Uh, not bad. But yeah, you don't, I mean, all it is, it's kind of like you get saved on the delivery fee. Texture says Trevor is 100% sloth. That's for the seven deadly sins, not the character he's most like from Goonies. Yeah, both <laughs> both might be true. Both, <laughs> both kind of work. I mean, he does. He does kind of fit all the seven deadly sins. He definitely lusts on this show. <laughs> he certainly is gluttonous. He's definitely slothful. What are we forgetting here? Uh, that's, that's about all I know. So greed. Yeah, there's there's that. He's, He's not greedy. If he was, if he wasn't, if he was greedy, he wouldn't have bet me five hundred dollars on U of L wins. Well, <laughs> pride. Yeah. 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 Wrath, I don't know. Wrath is maybe the, the, the least of those. Envy, there's certainly some envy. And then we've established the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm sticking with gluttony. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with that. Texture says, uh, Robert, it's a character text, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. We said it's called basketball now. Suck it, Germany. Is that a for the it's called soccer? Reference, I uh, guess. Uh, yeah. I guess. Texas just tuning in now. You and Patrick were r- wrong regarding your All Star Game predictions. I, 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 I came. For, yeah, we were. I, I said that. <laughs> and this was right after I called my shot. I was like, I was like, I'm really good at predicting stuff that I don't put any research into because I called Vlad Jr. winning the the home run derby the night before, and then I did take the American League last night. Should have known to go against it. Um, <laughs> Texas said yesterday, does Patrick know that it's illegal for anyone under 21 to drink alcohol? Patrick never said yesterday that he was going to drink alcohol. That was more me implying that him living in a house off campus with his brother <laughs> and a friend was going to result in some good times. His yeah. brother, who's a year older, and will get the 21 first. Yeah, Trey will. And, yeah, Trey. I was like, Trey will be the house dad. He's like, no, he won't. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's going to be Patrick. Patrick's going Patrick's to have to be the mature one. I'm sure it'll be fine, though. I'm sure it'll be fine. Texas having a blackout game for Brahms coming homecoming is for home Brahms homecoming. Who cares who the opponent is? I think that's, that's their. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's probably their mentality. Yeah, yeah. Is you're going to get a big crowd? I mean, this should be. I know a lot of people have written about this already. This should be the most attended U of L home football season of all time. Yeah, yeah and you've got the expanded stadium. You've got the excitement. You've got a couple of pretty big time opponents coming here. The UK game uh, is here this year, right? Yes. Yes. Notre Dame as well. Right? Notre Dame will be a yeah. big deal. A couple of nice ACC opponents. Like it should be yeah. a very well attended season. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt that uh, you know, I mean, I, I 
you know, obviously I, I go to work in my normal, actual real job all the time. And I mean, I think over the last six or so years, I mean, it just hasn't been, I haven't had a lot of conversations, especially when people know, hey, you write for Car Chronicle. Obviously, that naturally leads to conversations about a little football and uh, it just hadn't happened in the recent years. And now it's like every day, you know. Um, so it's been it's just interesting that, that, you know, people who I know who will openly tell me they don't really keep up with stuff are like telling me things that I don't even know, you know, and I'm like, OK, there's a real excitement. Um, and I do think that Jeff's complete, you know, the connection to the city, not just from him being from here, playing from here, but also growing up in, you know, the Catholic background here, you have a lot of people who know things now and they know someone, they know something. And that, that just drives more excitement. Um, and it's, it is cool. I mean, it's been, it's been really great to see. And, you know, uh, you know, obviously I look at our people reading things on the site and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you see the numbers improving. So I think it's, I think it's great. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the season when we start to see how it looks on the field. It's weird when people come up to talk to me about stuff now in public. It's mostly like they'll say, uh, "Is there any chance we're going to be good?" And I know that they're just not talking about football. I think they just they just go, they want to talk about basketball because like football, it's assumed like we're going to be good, and I'm excited yeah. about it. We we know this. It's it's established. I can't wait for it. Is there any hope for basketball? And I'm yeah. like, do we have to do this again? Yeah, but, I know, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, like we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I do remember Dennis last, Evans is tall. The, the last time I was on, it was like I'm so tired of talking about basketball, and it was just like it used to start the show. It was like, yeah, we lost again, and it's like, yeah, I guess we got to do this. We got to talk basketball. It's bad. <laughs> it's still bad. What do you want me to say? Uh, well, but we'll see. I mean, th- th- I am so sick with both sides uh, of the. This is an endless summer for basketball fans because. Yeah. We are – nobody wants to be at rock bottom. I think I've said this before. The worst thing about being at rock bottom is you don't know how to get out. Yeah. And it feels so wrong to just sit here and do nothing, and yet that's where we are. And so instead you've got people who are like, I'm going to claw my way out of it, and people who are like, I'm going to jump out of here. And, be, and it's just, you know, it's like this, these guys are great or these guys suck and we need a new – and it's just – We'll find out. Yeah, I, no, I, but I'm sick of kind of just the whole thing well, at I think this point. It's it's exciting with the new guys they have coming in, like an exciting group of guys. I think the hard part for me is just quite simply, I think that if he had this class last year, I, I don't think it, the record wouldn't have mattered as much because for you sure. kind of see that there's something coming. Uh, but I think that you just you just wonder if he gets the the chance if it doesn't get better to the point of where it needs to be, if he gets another chance to have that extra year and. And I, I, I root for Kenny. I, I think, you know, some right. of the things he's done since he came in, just being part of the city and being around and things like that, I think are really great. I think, obviously, having, home, you know, guys who have played here come back and coach is, is exciting. Um, it's just, man, it was just so bad last year. Uh, and I do – but it, it, that it even makes it kind of hard to get truly excited for the new guys. So, I'm in the same boat of just wait and see what happens, and we'll, we're going to find out pretty quick. I mean, we found out really quick last year. We're going to find out really quick this year. Um and and see how these new guys do, and you know, uh, see if the young core that he brought in can 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 do what we expect them to do. Which is obviously, you want Louisville to be in the tournament every year, but you at least want them to be the point where you can see that something is genuinely getting better, and there's something to aspire to for the third season uh, if that comes about. Speaking of, I mentioned I had the dream last night that uh, we had a third child. I was I kind of forgotten about it. I was, I was like, should I text my friends? I don't, have I told my friends we were pregnant? I don't even know. But the, I also had a dream that we were, I was watching the, the, the second most important thing in my world. I was watching the Louisville men's basketball team play in an exhibition game and we were losing in the second half. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I can't do this again. I just remember how I woke up. I was like, ah! 
<laughs> I can't. I can't have another Lenore Ryan. I mean, if we have all this hype and all this debate, can you imagine if the first, if we're playing, I don't, I don't know if it'll be Lenore Ryan or whoever, but the first, if we're down by like ten at halftime, like people will be like, I want him gone. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad. Like I remember how bad it got in Petrino's last year because, of course, I'm you know football, you know, you know, really focused. But I just, I don't. I remember at a point in that season where it was just like, just, just stop playing the games. Yeah. Like it was just like this is so bad, but I don't think that it, anything will compare to if KP has another really awful start to the season. I mean, people are going to be flipping out. Like it's going to be you just 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 turn the phone lines on. You know, like one of those things where it's just like I don't even have to like, throw him in the river. The like, content's it, yeah, just going to fly in. You know, fire him before he gets home. Like it's just gonna, it's going to be, and then you'll have. I mean, the, the, we'll the, the weird the thing is, like, like you know, if it does get bad, there's going to be. No defense for it, and I'm with yeah, you. Like, I wish yeah. we had had this roster last year because yeah. if the, if that team with young talent and enthusiasm had won like 14, 15, 16 games, mm-hmm. people would have been like, "Yeah, I'm not sure about this," but they would have been like, "We'll give him the benefit of the doubt." The reason why you've seen such a visceral response on both sides is it was historically bad, and, yeah. and nobody knows how to react to that. Nobody knows how to react to going five months and watching a Louisville basketball team win four games. Yeah, like that's just it, it's not. Exceeds the realm of our comprehension. So you got people who are like, "This is historically bad." He's clearly not the guy. And you got other people who are like, "There has to be a reason. Like, yeah. it, it had to have been the kids. Just they couldn't have gotten." And like, look at what we're doing in recruiting. And so I think we're all just very curious to see one how this plays out, and two, if there is a reasonable explanation. Like, if these all these kids that transferred just suck elsewhere, yeah. and our problems, and we're good this year, you've got your answer. If they're great and we're pretty bad again. You kind of got your answer. To yeah, it. and I think that's the part is that everyone looks for you naturally look for like there has to be a reason. Like even mentioning Petrino again, like you, the whole season we're all just like, what is going on? Yeah. This is not. This shouldn't. Have, it shouldn't fall off like this. But you had something to back that up on with the previous years of his of his coaching career. KP just doesn't have that. So yeah. I think that's where it's hard for a lot of fans. Like a, a very 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 large chunk of the fans is like. This guy hasn't doesn't even have you can't say it's you can't really truly say there's a reason now you know there has to be a reason you really don't know and like you said you're still gonna try to figure that out based on what happens next season whether or not the guys that left are good or vice versa you know but if he had been a head coach for a while and had some success and then he comes in and just sinks to bed it's like yeah coach, something's got to be off right right and I think that's the hard part and I think there's also the factor of like you know his background before coming here was coaching with a guy like Cal who, you know, we as Louisville fans are like, God, this guy's really not as good as he seem, you know, seems to be. And he also had the track record of the other coaches who have left under Cal Which, and have not yeah, done well. It's been my big It's thing. just all those things, you know, you can't help but like, okay, I, I get why this is perfect fodder for people like we should have never hired him in the first place. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I think he, no matter what, I think any coach deserves a second year. At the very least, I mean, you know, because you never know what's going on. But I do think that it just there's gonna be some clear expectations. I think for most of the fan base to to want a third year. But the recruiting is definitely a step in that direction sure. where it's like, okay, that just gives a little bit more leeway of, hey, maybe I don't get exactly where I expected, but hey, he can he's shown that he can recruit some top talent. So yeah, he had two boxes to check for for this like calendar year, and the first one was overhaul the roster to a point that that convinces us all that you can bring in the type of talent that we thought you were going to be able to do. He's right. checked that box, mm-hmm. and now it's in the first few months of the season, win at a level that makes us feel like we can eventually yeah. get to back to being one of the best programs in the sport. 
I think you make a good point. The Petrino thing was almost it still never is going to make sense to me exactly like what happened or why it happened, but it was an easier explanation for like because he had a great track record. We know how good his teams could be when he's locked in. Mm-hmm. And so when you saw them playing the way, you're like, well, this is a number of things, but primarily he's quit. Yeah. Like he's not trying anymore. If he was trying at all, we wouldn't be losing 51 to, to 12 <laughs> to whoever we played that week. So, I mean, it's just like, you're, you're right. Like last year, you take Kenny Payne at his, at his word for saying, I gave everything I had. The kids gave everything we had. Practice was, was really hard. We were staying locked in. We just didn't have the type of talent to, to, to win more than four games. I mean, I, I don't think that was the case, but we don't know. Yeah, and he gets to show whether that's true or not. Sure. And and that's where we kind of are is just like wait and see. And unfortunately, that's not fun in the summer. As we talk about, there's nothing else to talk about. Um, but I do think he has earned at least the fact of, hey, he did overhaul the roster. Hey, you know, and he says that's his issue. He did what he needed to do. Um, I mean, I will personally say that maybe he could have done it a different way. But, hey, this is, you know, the results are going to show, and I could be I could look like an idiot at the end of this thing. Hey, he did exactly what he should have done. So, uh, But it's exciting. I mean, like I said, these guys are intriguing, um, to say the least, of the talent he's brought in. But they're young, just like we talked about with the U.K., and, and I think that's going to be a big factor as well. Texas, and I had forgotten this, and this is 100% true. I don't know how I, I realized this one time. The soccer goalie that scored on the U.K. douche, uh, for Columbus, later became an assistant at UFL for five years. Danny yeah. Zaffaro. yeah, he did. <laughs> I was great. like, we got a card scoring on a cat. That's great. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. Our last break, when we come back, we'll take some more texts from you guys and wrap up the show. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. Fourteen fifty and ninety six one is the station. Keep it locked right here. More Mark Rutherford for show is next. Final segment here in the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Big thanks to Keith Wynn for spending some time with myself and Justin Kalen today. Here on the Big X as we uh, talk sports on the least impactful sports day on the calendar. No and, games, nothing, nothing, nada. And Trevor's music. Hate that song. He Thanks. used that on a on an ad once for a dentist office. And he was he was so smug and proud about how good that song was behind the commercial that now I just hate that song. Trevor's played that song on, on, as a rejoin, I think, probably 17 times. Like, there are certain ones where he's like, I think I've played this before. I'm like, at least 50 times. Like Your music has a limit. And I've heard them all at this point. He's played that Michael Jackson Ben song from the movie about the rat like at least five times. I've never heard it in any other context outside of the show. And it just keeps happening. But what are you going to do? Uh, TK will be back next week. Got a couple more days without him as we continue to move through the doldrums of the heart of the summer here on 1450 The Big X. we got about 10 minutes left for you to get your thoughts in on the text line at 502-414-1450. We'll get to as many of these as we can before we have to call it a day. Texture says, at The Big X, they actually encourage you to say boner in a robot voice. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure if it's been encouraged, but uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I've, I've never had to do any sort of like penance for for saying something on the on the air, which is good. Uh, we, we I, there was some 
Jenna got in trouble for saying the S word when she was interning last year. I think that remember that. Yeah, yeah. people were saying. She texted the other day. She was like, somebody, uh, somebody recognized my voice out here. They're a big fan of the show, and she was at, I don't even know, at, at her new job, like with, uh, with working with pets. I was like, oh, cool. She well, didn't get in radio? You mean we didn't convince her? We didn't. <laughs> what the hell? She ran as quickly away. But anyway, it was the first time I'd heard from Jenna since last summer, actually, so, which is not shocking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, Texas says, Mike, do you kiss your kiss? I'm assuming this means kids. Do you kiss your kids on the lips? I'm not a weirdo, but my in-laws and my wife did they will when our child is born. I wasn't sure if it was a highly common thing. I think it's, I think it's fairly common when they're like really young mm-hmm. and then you move past it at a certain age. Maybe. I mean, Keith, you've got it. You have an older child. Yeah. Do you kiss a living in the mouth? No, but like, I don't know. It's weird. That it's, it's weird. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll kiss my mom on the mouth when I see her, but like, it's just like, like a peck, but I, it was like, it was a thing that as I got older, it became a thing, but it wasn't a thing when I was younger. It was one of those things where I, like, I think it's a, just random, yeah. But I don't. I've never really thought that it's like weird or not weird or anything like that. It's just a every form of expression to me is always like my wife will not let me walk past her without hugging her most of the time, and I'm <laughs> I'm like I don't get this. So I like can see Kelsey doing that. You know I mean, like like if I walk into a room and she's in it, she will acknowledge me in some way, and I'm like this is weird. I just saw you in the other room, so like I've just as I've gotten older, I'm like everybody. I just like this stuff does. Everybody has their own things, and I'm like, yeah, yeah whatever, you know. So I don't know. I, I don't like, but with my own kids, no, I don't like because that's just I don't really hug my kids that much. I'm just not really super affectionate that way, I guess. So I don't know. I I, I feel like I stopped kissing my mom on the lips when I was fairly young. Like I always give her like a kiss on the cheek. My dad. I mean, my dad was. My dad was – I always knew how much he loved us, but mm-hmm. he was very much like the old school, like I'm not overly affectionate, like did not – I think before recently, he's kind of changed his, with, with old age, which has been yeah. – it's been cool to see. But before then, I think I could probably count the number of times that he hugged me on like one hand. Yeah. So like I don't think my dad has ever – I can't envision my dad kissing anybody really besides <laughs> like my mom, I guess. So it's never a thing. But I do – when I leave for radio every day, Virginia gives me a big hug and then she kisses me on the mouth. And that's – but she's – I mean she's three. Yeah, I think I mean, at some point just, she'll probably stop, and that's, that's, that's you know, I, it's funny. My kids like every night, you know, bedtime. It's like, hey, you know, tell daddy good night, and my kids usually just say no, <laughs> and, and it's just like, all right, cool, whatever. I don't, I don't need to touch anyway. So it's just like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think it's it's the same way you put it. Like, you always, as long as your family members, your children, your like parents know how much you love them. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes like for me, I'm more of a big act kind of thing. I do big gifts and big, you know, I, that's just the way that I am. Uh, I once what I once gave my mom. I think it was her fifty third birthday or whatever. I sent her fifty three roses. Oh. and like you know, she literally told me that day. I hope my brothers are listening. Like, oh, you're my favorite son. Oh. And I was like, yeah, awesome. And I keep lording that over their head every year. Keith, but, that was kind of my dad too. Yeah, He's, Keith just lets that money talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, you. I'll, I'll buy your love. <laughs> Texas says uh, Josh Pate from CBS Football says the players dropping or increasing in the rankings based off school is just a conspiracy. Also, according to him, Florida fans are complaining the most about it. About Ever. when it's, when players sign with Louisville or it's whatever. A yeah, huge conspiracy. I, I the on three stuff last year got so out of control, and I, you know, like part well, of that it, was I guess, true. That well, was, that was on P, <laughs> they, they have they've got it out for us. They got KSR. That's, that's a fact. But it's funny, like TJ Capers, of course, is a, is a prime example. Like he's not listed as a five star on any of the sites right now, um, at least as of like three days ago. But 
you know, he was much highly rated, much more highly rated when he first uh, committed. Mm-hmm. But also, they're not, they're continuously evaluating new players, which you know, some guys are just in the rankings higher. Um, but also, you saw, you know, Deuce Adams is a perfect example. Most of these guys just don't. I think it's. I think most of these guys that do the evaluating and scouting, they just probably. They really, I just don't think they care enough to actually do that amount of work to actually say, okay, this school we're going to lower this guy. But one thing that that should be pointed out: if Nick Saban wants a kid, his ranking should go up. I mean, that, that's, that's my stuff, thing. Things it, like that should factor into your rankings. I do think, like with, I I know for a fact this happens in college basketball. If a kid who is ranked 83rd in the class all of a sudden is getting offers from UK and Duke mm-hmm. and they end up signing with Duke or whatever, that kid's going to get bumped up in the rankings. Yeah, and it's should. not because it's some sort of conspiracy. It's because the writers want to look good when you look back at these. And mm-hmm. they're saying if John Calipari and formerly Mike Krzyzewski, now John Shire, if they think a kid is good enough to play at their schools, chances are they're right. Mm-hmm. And we've we've been wrong about this. And right. we're going to go – like we don't want people to look back and say <clears throat> we had the – you know, Duke All-American ranked behind a bunch of nobodies mm-hmm. when they look back at the rankings. <clears throat> I love the cough button. Use the, use the cough <laughs> I, was, button. I was wondering what you're doing over there. But no, I, I also think it's just in general, part of your evaluation should factor in. Of, do these coaches who n- normally and naturally get good players to come to their school want this kid? That's going to tell you that, hey, maybe I need to reevaluate how I'm looking at this guy. Not even for the, like, you know, the postmortem, it was just in general like, okay, well, this guy's maybe better than I thought he was because yeah. so and so who just turns out in NFL talent or NBA talent once and well obviously this guy's maybe I mean you know maybe my evaluation is a little off so I do think that factors in I don't think it should you know it shouldn't really factor in from a negative standpoint that hey you know this coach that sucks or whatever wants this guy uh, but when you see the top coaches in the country want a player then that should really factor in how whether or not you think that player is better than maybe you think he is. Texas says I don't even know if this was. In relation to, they were related to the Kennedys, right? We had no idea what that what we were talking about at five ten. Who knows? <laughs> Texas says, DJ Wagner is going to cook us, and Milt, DJ, and Kenny are going to yuck it up at half court of the game and fulfill the prophecy. I, I, I said that last summer. I was like, if he goes to Kentucky, that's one thing. Yeah. But I just have this vision, and you know, people got really mad about how many times Kenny Payne after losses would be like shaking hands and laughing, and and I, I said like. I know it's a little thing. I wish it didn't bother me. It it does bother yeah, me yeah. just because I can't envision like one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, which is what we want him to be if he's at Louisville, mm-hmm. having that mentality after we've lost to, you know by thirty one to Florida State to fall to yeah. two and seventeen or whatever. Like I have this just terrible image in my head of DJ going for like thirty one, <laughs> us losing by fifteen, and then after like the CBS cameras are like you know, they're doing the the Christmas theme is playing and it's like DJ and Milt and Kenny just like all laughing about it and me wanting to just lose my mind. I was like, we can't that that can't happen. Yeah, and you got to do the blow by. And I think part of it, you know, to be, it doesn't bother me much, but I get it. I completely understand it. There, there is an opportunity to do that outside of the view of everyone else. You know, exactly. there's an opportunity. There's not. It's not hard to find the guy after a game by the locker room and go and have a moment where, you know, you can share a personal moment with somebody. You don't have to do it in the in the handshake line. And I think that's where he's got – that's a, that's, a, that's an opportunity for Kenny to be more understanding of what this job really is. Like the fan base is rabid. The fan base is very critical, as they should be because the expectations are high. You have to keep that in mind in all aspects. And I think those are some of the missteps they had as a coaching staff. You know, you have these things that happen off the court, and it's like why like, – be cognizant of the fact that 
the times we're living in, you're going to get noticed when you do this that, and the other. But also, you 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 the the criticism is going to be heavy when you're not going when things aren't going well. So, I I would hope that maybe he would learn from some of the issues last year. I mean, I I remember as soon as the UK came in and a good buddy of mine on our text thread, you know, he's you know yucking it up with with Calipari and he's like, God, yeah. it's just you know what a terrible look. And I'm like, yeah, I can get it. It doesn't bother me because I it just I don't think I think KP's just an individual that has kind of a way of going about about himself that's just a little bit different. Um, but I can completely get it, and he's got to just understand that you just can't be that guy and be unless you're winning. You can do whatever you want when you win, but when you're losing, you can't be that guy. It's one of those little things that like I wish didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But if we're being honest on the radio and we're talking about being crazy fans, it, it does. Yeah. I, I think I said that all last year. Yeah. Speaking of bothering. Do you have thoughts on Nolan Smith's uh, tweets from from NBA draft time? <laughs> we, we, got, we got to five fifty three. I have un, I have unfollowed <laughs> Nolan. Uh, I you know I, I took my own advice because I, I will call myself out that you know if I don't like somebody's tweets I can just unfollow them and I, yeah. I say that to people sometimes like you know come at me and I'm like just unfollow me like you know and I should have done so but at the same time I think he's got some problematic tweets that come out. <laughs> I I didn't really understand the one from draft night. I saw it but I was like I don't even get what he's talking about and I saw his wife chiming in and i was like i don't know what's going on and i'm just gonna i'm gonna stay out stay yeah yeah that's, that's, i i you know i could have done that you know last year at some point texas is wrath being last for tk did we already forget his rant against college football players regarding the video game last week i miss you tk i hope you enjoy your staycation in vegas since you won't be leaving the hotel i did i did forget about him saying that like basically college football players owed him for to, to, to not be greedy and just take the $500 and shut up so he, <laughs> so he can have his EA Sports video game. Uh, yeah, and he was like, he's like, I hate anybody who's trying to not make this happen. Uh, he was he was definitely being vengeful. Texture says, assuming he would have been he would have been hired if Kenny Payne wasn't an alum, would he have been fired after the first season at four and twenty eight? I I don't. So here's I think. Like I said, I don't think anybody should be fired after one year. I just don't think that's enough time, especially in, you're taking over something where someone else was essentially fired at the same point. I just don't think that that's the right way of going about things. I, I don't know what kind of – I think that's a big thing on AD. I, I don't know if Josh had that the ability to, to fire a guy that he hired after one year yeah. when he's so new to his own job. You know, I don't think it would have happened. I, I don't think it would have happened regardless of who we hired. It would have been – in a weird way, it would have been almost more problematic if we'd hired a guy that had a ton of success elsewhere. Like if we'd hired, I'm, I'm throwing the name. If we'd hired Mick Cronin, yeah, and he was coming off of killing it at UCLA and all this stuff, and just boom goes four and twenty eight, yeah. we would have been like, well, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about everybody being on the same page? There would be no Mick Cronin defenders in this city. Yeah. There, there would be nothing. Uh, it, I get that it's a different situation, but yeah, I, I don't think he would have gotten fired, but there would be a lot more like, how in the world could this have possibly happened? Yeah. Texture says, uh, rank your kids from most favorite to least. No. <laughs> I love both my kids. You've got three. That's tougher for you. Well, no, I was, re- I was, John's I was, got some I was actually watching a, a special, like a comedy special. It's like, you know, you love your kids equally. But you might have one that you like a little bit more. And I was like, I was like, ah, you know, I can. Yeah, my son gets to uh, get under my skin a little bit more than the other two. I do talk to my son differently than I, with Virginia. Like Virginia was very much like just babying her in this age. I'm like, he's fine, because <laughs> you see yourself more in like the, the same sex child. Yeah, and plus. Kid two is a whole different world, man. Like, exactly. you know, your first, you're just like all kid gloves, and your second one, you don't care. That's probably what led to Virginia crying that she's not married yet because well, yeah, you babied her. She, yeah, she, she probably. Well, she Virginia doesn't have Virginia's got no issues. She'll be fine. But <laughs> she fears nothing. 
But like with Virginia, I was terrified that she was going to choke on everything. Like I would like, even like when she was like two, like cutting up. John's shoving like 17 blueberries oh, yeah. in his mouth. And I'm like, he's good. Yeah. He's hilarious. You can get four more. Yeah. <laughs> get that other handful in there. You're fine. Texas, what's more likely? This is actually a good question. I wish we had more time to answer. We had to get out of here. ACC championship in football. I don't know if that means championship game or just winning the whole thing or making the tourney in basketball. If it's making the championship game in football or making the tourney in basketball. What's more likely? I kind of feel like it's football. Football. Yeah. I, I, I think it's football. I just I don't see the basketball team being able to completely turn around to the point they'll make the tournament. But I also think that there's a clear path for the football team to do that based on what we know now. If it's winning the ACC championship, which would likely mean beating Clemson or Florida State, yeah, it would be very good. I think I, I think I changed my answer at that point. And I, I know that it's yeah. weird when you're talking about one game, but I think then I shift to basketball. I think, again, it becomes a thing where expecting I – can't, I can't get my head wrapped around expecting Jeff Brom to do something that we just haven't seen in year one. I, I think that's hard for me to get to. But I, like I said, I think it's possible, but I don't know if I think it's likely. All right, we got uh, you have 20 seconds to answer this question. Keith, are you a green egg guy or an old school grill guy? Technically, neither. I have a pellet grill, a pellet you. smoker. Uh, I wanted a big green egg when I first like bought my first bought my house, but they're super expensive, and I was broke. Um, but now I have a pit boss pellet smoker. Love it. You make incredible ribs. Uh, they're, they're great. All right, big thanks to Keith for spending some time with us today. We got nothing to preview tonight. There's no game to pick. There's nothing happening. So I don't know. Talk yeah. to the family. We got U.S. soccer. Let's go with that. Is it is Gold Cup is semifinal tonight? It is tonight. Well, hell yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. USA yeah. versus Panama. Keith, who you got tonight? Who's winning? U.S. man. I think it should be a, another big, you know, four goal win. And if we lose, it's only because we don't care and nobody nobody cares about this tournament, right? <laughs> Scoots, who you got? USA or Panama? Are we winning this? Thing? I'll take USA. Right. Oh yeah. I'm assuming it's on FS1. Find it wherever it is. I don't have the details in front of me. I'm slacking here. 7:30 p.m. FS1. There it is. 7:30. We're taking on Panama. Then we're going to play probably either I think it's Mexico or Jamaica in the finals this weekend. Correct. Go USA. Go get them. Make this happen. Are you sure it's 7.30? I thought it was like 10. I think the, I think the Mexico game is at 7.30 tonight. I think, I think it's at 7.30. I love to know. I think it's late night. Yeah. Regardless. Go USA. Everyone enjoy your Wednesday <laughs> night. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow at 3.